the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, so I figured out the way we would do that, Mike, since it's a loose screw on it, that, Paul, I'd put you in front of it since you're our loose screw. We want to do that. All right. Hey, how's everybody doing? It's a Tuesday, uh, power panel day, and we'll get to them in just a few moments. First of all, though, we got some stuff that's going on that I kind of, you know, home uh, – home cleaning that i want to do because uh, clarice dean is here and you know her from the time she's been on with us uh talking to us uh, from over at family council yes sir and she's here move move that microphone over close to you all right uh Charisse, and, and and let's talk I'm, I'm sitting here at state board of education chair of community and family engagement task force yes sir explain what all that's about and uh you brought Lakonda Watson in with you. What's important that's coming up that you want to tell my listeners about? Well, uh, over a year ago, about a year ago, um, we sat down and we decided um, that the miss one of the missing links uh, for our children's education is that parental family engagement um, piece. And so, um, Maria Wright and I co-chaired this task force and started it. I am chairing it now that Maria Wright is is off. Um, but we put together a coalition of about eighty um, ta- um, stakeholders from all over the state. Okay, parents, grandparents, students, educators, um, community business leaders, um, to help us create a set of standards for the ESSA standards and to create a toolkit to help parents and community members to be more engaged and involved. Um, now we are on to the second um, um, mode of that. Um, this is tra- 2.0. Then. Yes, it okay. is. And so what we're doing is we're doing regional meetings. This is the last of five regional meetings. This is the central uh, regional meeting, and we are hosting it at um, – Philander Smith College. It will be at the Kendall Building in Nugent Hall. Mm-hmm. It'll be this Thursday, um, and we'll have two sessions: one in the morning at nine nine a.m. to ten thirty, and one in the evening uh, from six thirty to eight. And I'll hand it off to Laconda West. She is actually chairing and running the whole thing. She's been the one that's made it happen here in the central region. So we're so uh, grateful that we found her and that she's been just taking the ball and running with it. So, Lakanda, right. we're so glad Lakanda, to have you. tell us what's going on here. Well, I am so excited, and thank you, Sharice, for that nice introduction. But um, for me, family and, and community engagement is everything. This is an opportunity for our families, our, our students, and community um, involvement, and they can actually have a seat at the table, give us that input of what they would like to see their future be about. And so for me, being a part of mine, I'm from Jacksonville, and mm-hmm. um, I'm on the school board there in Jacksonville. And um, I know community engagement is so important to us as far as our education is concerned, because at the end of the day, the children still have to go somewhere. And so that's where your community comes in, into play. 
and it goes back to that old saying that it takes a village to raise mm-hmm. a child right. and this is what we're we're getting back to those grassroots of that and uh, being a part of a school district and understanding the importance of after school the importance of investment into our, our youth and their careers this is where it's going to start and so those conversations will start happening on with us and the um the community on on thursday all right so explain to everybody what exactly you want everybody to become engaged about i'm it's about schooling but what about schooling well it's about children it's about our children in our communities and it's about educating the child from a holistic perspective um education is not just um academic but it has to do with character it has to do with what's going on at home um are services being provided are they eating um what's um what life is like after school what life is like before school so we want families we want community members to become more engaged for me um my platform while i'm on the state board of education is i'm going to be that parent advocate i want parents to to go back to remember that that child is yours and that child um you have a god-given right and a responsibility to make sure that child is educated from every perspective. And I want there to be the per, the partnership with the parent. That parent can partner with um, faith community members. That partner uh, They can partner with the boys public school. Club. They can <laughs> partner with the Boys and Girls Club. They can partner with charter schools. They partner. You. It's up to that parent to decide who they want to, depart, want to partnership with. Um, but it has to be. Um, like she said, it has to be the village. Um, a parent can't do it by, by themselves. So it's back to partnering and remembering that that responsibility, first of all, lies with the parent. And, uh, and it extends to that extended family. That includes grandmothers, grandparents, aunts and uncles, um, foster parents. There's so many people that pour into a child's life and that are responsible for making sure that this person, this little person, grows up to be a responsible um, citizen in that community. Um, so I just want to remind people that we need everyone's help. Everyone needs to be a part of this, starting with the parents. We want to start with the family. How do you break beyond that wall that has been kind of erected over the last i'd say 25 30 years where people drop their kids off at school and don't see it as something that's their responsibility they're just passing their kids off right well you know that's that's where it goes back to um empowering parents and um reminding them that uh that responsibility is yours Mm -hmm. um and it, it goes back to just Remembering that we're partnering, but that responsibility is yours. That's a God-given child, so that's a God-given right and responsibility for you to um, make sure that that child is educated. Um, but the first responsibility lies in the hands of the parents. Well, since you've been working now at State Board of Education, do they are they open to parents being parents and being questioned and being challenged at times? Oh, absolutely. I am so um, excited about this time right now. I want to also thank Commissioner Key because he sees the importance um, of that parental and that family engagement. 
piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So he's actually hired on full time. This is the first full time mm-hmm. staff at ADE to only work on community and family engagement. So the ADE is actually a trailblazer. Arkansas is a trailblazer when it comes to um Family and community engagement. They are setting the example for other states. Other states are watching us. They're seeing what's being done and they're replicating it. So hats hats off to to Arkansas and the ADE. Yes. Well, Lakanda, you you're with the uh, you know the Boys and Girls Club of Jacksonville. You CEO over there. Seems like to me that uh, you you work with an organization that has a lot of vested interests with children. Uh, there's a lot of groups that have been out there for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Are schools ready to really work closely with them? Abs- absolutely. Um, I, I do have that privilege of working with the Boys and Girls Club in Jacksonville and also the privilege of being on our um, school board and being able to see the the front end and the back end um, is so important. And for us at the Boys and Girls Club, and I, I say this a lot, is that we are the extension of the classroom. I, I take the time and I go to visit the schools. I've actually I mentor in the middle school as well. And being able to see frontline what's going on with our children every day and why it's so important for them to see community people, not just their parents, not just the teachers, get invested and be um, interested in what they're doing every single day uh, means a lot. And it builds that trust and it gives them that that extra character that they sometimes need um, as well as, you know, a mentor, because it's, that's so important. Mm-hmm. It's so important. All right. So when we come back, we'll uh, talk with our two guests about Thursday. Again, it's over at Philander Smith. What uh, building is it going to be in? It is in Nugent Hall. Yes. Okay. Um, and it's 9 to 10.30 in the morning. Yes, and sir. again, 6.30 to 8 o'clock in the evening. Absolutely. Yes. I'm a quick study. You are. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when we come back, we'll ask you to tell us what exactly is going to be uh, discussed in those meetings and what should people be kind of set in their mind about what they're going to be doing when they get there. Okay. When we come back, we'll talk more about this here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, let's come back, talk more about this meeting that's going to occur on Thursday over Philander Smith and uh, meets at 9.30 until, or 9 till 10.30 in the morning and again 6.30 until 8 o'clock in the evening. Why don't you all uh, tell us about what these meet are, are is it going to just be a repeat in the evening for what the, the morning was and yes. if so how is it all broke down and what's going to be talked about well we broke it into two meetings uh, one uh, during the day for those that um, don't go to work uh, maybe stay home moms um, educators that can possibly slip away um, and then we wanted to make sure that we had an evening session for those working parents um, and working community members to have an opportunity to come out but what we'll be doing is going over the standards that have already been developed by that 80 person um, coalition mm-hmm. um, we've been working for months on creating this, this this set of standards and we've also been creating a toolkit so what we'll do is we have them written out on the walls and on big sheets of paper and we want everyone's input if there's something that you like about it tell us exactly what you like about it if there's something that needs to be tweaked let us know what needs to be tweaked if you want to add something we've got pieces of paper tape tape that on there and let us know what needs to be added but this is an opportunity for parents for family members for community members for students 
and also educators to have a voice. So you want students to come as well? Absolutely. We want students to come um, because they have a responsibility when it comes to their education as well. Um, So we want to know what works for you. What do you like? What you don't like? What can we do better in the future? What have we done that's not so great that you didn't like uh, in the past? So we want to hear every stakeholder's opinion. We want to know what everyone can bring to the table. Stay-at-home mom can bring something to the table that's different than a single mom of four or a person that comes from a two-parent household with two children. Mm -hmm. Everyone can bring their own perspective, and that's going to help us um, come up with the best set of standards that will help every child in Arkansas. Now, let's ask you, Lutkanda. I mean, you both of you have worked on this extensively. Uh, you've thought a lot. I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people. Yeah. You've got a lot of input. What additional input do you think might be out there that you haven't already thought of? Well, I think any anything, any input that we have from a person will be valuable. Um, any out-of-box thinking that I, I believe that we may have left off that we have not considered especially when it comes to the youth and having them to have their voice and have that exercise and that practice of hey this is my this is my future too i have an opportunity and i have a right to to speak my voice on what i think will help me learn and so every child is different this is an opportunity under the um, Every Student Succeeds Act. This is a component. Family and community engagement is actually a component of that. Mm-hmm. And um, this is, like uh, Sharice mentioned, is about the whole child. And we know that in, in past, like we had the Every every Student, no, not the Every Student Succeeds, but the No Child Left Behind. Right. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> that was pretty much a canned type of process mm-hmm. and this process will give us that individualistic look at each child because every child doesn't learn the same they don't think the same they don't act the same so this will give them that individual opportunity to be that person that they strive to be and it's up to us as far as the educators are concerned the community the parents to to help cultivate that experience for them so all of these hours that you all had put in and then now you've been having these meetings, and now you're coming up to the last meeting, I, th- I assume. Yes, uh, for this s- session. <laughs> okay, so what has popped up that has surprised you? Is there anything that, that if, that's come up that you hadn't considered amongst yourselves? The, the one thing um, for me, I believe, is, and we're still working towards this, is ensuring that the language barrier mm-hmm. is um, fluent. You know, we have those that, um, that are not first nature English-speaking mm-hmm. students and parents because that's a barrier, especially with our parents. Right. If they don't understand what their child needs based on um, because of that issue, then we are running into a situation. And so we have to ensure that the information is transparent, is fluent, and everyone can understand. And also not to communicate at such a high level right. that you don't understand what the the words that are written in the text. So making sure that it's complementary to everyone. I yeah, think. I mean, it's hard for people to understand that the average American – you know, reads at about a sixth grade level. Right. They're not reading at a twelfth or a or a college level. It's a it's a sixth grade level, Absolutely. and you 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 need to understand that when you're trying to communicate with right. people. That was one thing that we said from the beginning is that we don't want this in education needs. 
you know, um, as educators, a lot of people that you speak on that that level, um, you know, you've gone to professional development and all of these things. But we want um, language that the everyday parent, the student um, can understand and um, can relate to. Um, one thing that surprised me, not necessarily that didn't that I didn't think about, just um, that I've heard often um, that I um, thought about from the beginning was that the professional development is not just we don't want professional development just for educators and just for um, superintendents. But that professional development needs to be available for parents as well. Educators get professional development so that they can be the best educators for their children as possible. Why can't parents have the same um, tools available to them, the same development and and opportunities to become the best parent that they can be? Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to empower parents um, to be the best that they can be. And I've heard that. Um, repeated over and over again from our from our people in our community. So um, I'm excited about that opportunity for our parents and our grandparents to um, to be more involved. And That's our, don't don't worry. I'm 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 got this under control. I, I'm, I'm I'm at the point here that I, I do have to ask you all. Uh, do people need to call anywhere? Go on a website? Let you know that they're coming. Uh, you know what time should they show up? Things of that nature, because we got about a minute and a half left here. No, um, the um, once they come in on the uh, Philander Smith College campus, the security gate is right there. Nugent Hall, the Kendall Building, is right to your left. Mm-hmm. You don't have to check in with anyone. We'll be right there at the front door to greet everyone. Um, pastries, coffee, donuts. We'll be there in the morning. Pizza in the afternoon for those parents I'll be there in and the students that you know they're they're busy and six thirty is pretty late and so we want to yeah. make sure that we're satisfying your tummy so that you can think have those brain cells working for us. I gotcha. <laughs> you want me to think? You got to give me a donut. That'd be all right. We can do that, ladies. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. And so again, much. Uh, don't forget Thursday starts at nine thirty or nine o'clock goes to ten thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the evening starts at six thirty, goes until eight o'clock. Be a part of your community. Be a, be an integral part of your community and uh, speak out about the things Absolutely. that you think need to be taken care of. Thank you so much. Thank it you. always works. You know that you call me up, you come on anytime. Absolutely, <laughs> love right. it. Thanks so much. Thanks Thank a lot. You. We appreciate it. Nice to, nice to meet you, Akanda. Thank Great you. Thank you, you joined so much. us today. Thank you. All right, we got news coming your way. Jan Morgan will be joining us after that's all over, and uh, we will come back here and first uh, order of business. Let's talk about. They call it a caravan. I don't think I call it a caravan. I'll tell you what I call it when we get back. All right, back, and it's uh, 2.35, and joining us uh, here in the studio now, Jan Morgan is back with us from the gun cave in hey, Hot Springs. Good yes. to have her here. Uh, by the way, uh, Mr. Waz will join us at 4 o'clock, and uh, we'll, I, I'm holding off a, a Second Amendment discussion uh, for that hour because since the last time we were on – happened while we were on last tuesday when the court decision came down and said that it's by no means now a, a question mark right arkansas, the court of appeals in arkansas yeah, it's all arkansas clear. is a constitutional carry state right and some people are celebrating that as if that means that all of a sudden we're a constitutional carry state we, we we've always been uh, all that did was just validate and put case precedent 
behind what we've been saying all along. So, yeah, that's a, that's great news for Sometimes you got to have that stuff. That's so right. Confer- yeah. Election time is a great time to get things done. Because I kept trying to be the case. I kept trying to be. I'm like riding around with my gun, open carry, just hoping that someone would decide to make me the case so that I could set case well, president. I'm glad that someone else did If that. I understand it correctly, one of the cool things about this is the guy had it covered up. So it was concealed even. Yes, but but what else what what is really cool about this is it, is it did more than just that. It also validated that a police officer cannot stop, stop you. you just because you carry you're a carrying a gun. Right. That's they right. have to they have to be able to have reasonable suspicion that you are about to use that gun in the commission of a crime or they have to catch you using it in the commission of a crime. So now the really strange thing is that you could have robbed a bank and you you know are being on your way to rob a bank and the police know that you're supposed to be going to do that and yet they can't arrest you for carrying a gun or charge you for carrying a gun. Not, not for carrying a gun, but they can, they can charge you for going on the way to, to, for for intending to rob a bank. And so that's they, they've got a, they've got an. How do, you, how do you arrest somebody for intentions? How do you? I mean, well, they have they have to communicate those. That's intentions kind of like the way. red flag law right. in Arkansas right. that, so that was, they're talking was, about doing. We think right, you're going right. to be crazy. We well, think actually, I was gonna... I was talking to a prosecutor a while back, and I think he was saying that they they actually had a case where some man texted his ex-wife and said, I'm going to come over and kill you. Well, that's evidence. And, and so, so there you yeah. go. That's not just right. thinking. That's so there's, actual there, evidence. There's your, he, he communicated it in some way to, to indicate. So they had probable cause right there to, right. to, to, to nab the guy. But you can't, you can't arrest someone without probable cause. Right. You can't, you can't, you can't you search should. someone right. without probable right. cause. Right. And that's part, that's part of the problem that we see sometimes is we've got the, well, he just, well, he, he I felt like he looked maybe sort of mm-hmm. suspicious, and and so well, which I, is where we where we go with red flag laws. We're, we're going to I don't want we're going to take his rights Arkansas. away just in case. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk all the gun stuff later, but right now I think Dave said we're going to talk about immigration. Well, and yeah, because this thing that's this, this caravan that is happening. It's not a caravan. It's yeah. a it's, it's an, an illegal onslaught. No, it's an enemy invasion. <laughs> yeah, I want everybody to understand. Here, here, I'll just make it simple. All right, you're at home. You get a phone call. Somebody calls you and says, hey, look, uh, we're going to be in your subdivision in uh, a couple of days. And myself and my family, there's 20 of us, come to your house and we're going to stay with you. We're going to stay with you. You don't have any any say in this. We're coming and we're going to stay with you. You don't have any reason to check up on us, make sure that we're good people or honest people or people with character, we're just coming, and uh, we're going to come in your home. No, it's worse than that. Yeah, what are you going to do? We're going we're to come into your home, and you're going to educate us. You're going we're to feed, feed us. us. You're going to provide us with housing. With you're going to provide us with a car. You're going to provide us with an education. Yeah. You're going to take care of us. Yeah. We're entitled. And all the while, we're going to be waving another country's flag. Yeah. Isn't because we have crazy? no intention of assimilating. Yeah. Now, I saw a story today that they there's word that ev- evidently that maybe Venezuela – is is financing this whole thing hmm. and uh, that is crazy in and of itself that means there's a country behind this and this is almost like an act of war i consider it an act of war it, i i believe that the president needs to immediately take military action we need the the border patrol we need uh, our military down on the border and you know the people in america they're yelling and bashing at trump because trump is is suggesting that we're going to have to do something about this and put our military on the border obama and george w bush did the same thing to the tune of what 1.6 billion dollars they sent the military to the border yep yes they did of course 
the way they sent the military to the border and the way I would have sent the military to the border is a different mm-hmm. thing. They sent them and told them, don't engage. They sent them, and in many cases, they didn't have any bullets. Did you know that? That they went down there and they had no bullets for their guns. That's if I ever said, it went, hey, if I were the commander in chief, if I send them, being a person who's been in the military, if you're going to put somebody possibly in harm's way, what is the point? You, you give them, them their guns and you give them the necessary bullets and you tell them, engage any wrongdoers. We don't want any wrongdoers here in the country. I said it yesterday. I think they should be there with fixed bar- uh, bayonets. Is there anybody anybody going to argue with us? Is there anybody on the panel here who disagrees well, with us? No. What's insane is that these people come across the border. Then our government attacks us and takes our money and feeds them and gives them free co- free, free um, school and whatever else and, and free medical care. And so it's not they're not even attacking us. They come across – with, for whatever reason they're coming, no, they give them a court and, date, you and know, then they got to come back to court. May, maybe, a maybe, paper, maybe, yeah, a piece of paper with a court <laughs> date, and they're never seen <laughs> maybe, again. Maybe, right, exactly. maybe they'll get a court date. But but what does happen? At least in in the past, what has happened is they, they come across the border for whatever reason. Maybe they're here to work or take care of family, whatever it may be. But then our government attacks us. So it's not even like they're they're invading us and attacking us. They invade, and our government attacks us to feed them. Actually, I have another wrench to throw in this. Okay. That that really, I just discovered the other day because I never have understood. Excuse me, I never have understood why the Catholic Church has always uh, yeah Catholic been charities on, been on yeah Catholic charities on the wrong side of this issue and fighting our own government by wanting to have sanctuary cities. You know, when our government said you can't have a sanctuary city in your state, that's in violation of immigration law. And yet it's the Catholic charities that are protecting and fighting against our immigration laws and mm-hmm. fighting and protecting people who are here illegally. And I found out why. It's because since 2012, they've received over $1.6 billion from the United States government to resettle these people, these mm. refugees who come to our country. So my position is, what happened to the separation of church and state? Well, and that's, I think it's, I mean, that's, if we're going to start giving federal a... money to the coffers of the church, if the churches want to remain tax-exempt and do not want the government in their coffers, then they need to stay out of the government I, I coffers as well. Not. Isn't and, that and the I, whole purpose I, of the church? Of and I couldn't churches? agree with you more. Well, I think that's kind of the his, agree part of the history more. of the Catholic Church, though, is they have been involved in government, in, especially in Europe, where the, the, the church was the state and, and vice versa. And yes, so, but we fled from that. Well, I agree. I agree. And so so I, th- so I think that that may be somewhat consistent with the Catholic Church itself because they were at least one of the entities over in Europe that um, that was heavily involved in the church-state hey arrangement. It's and so, not so just maybe the they're Catholic actually church. trying to – It's not just the Catholic Church. You've got churches getting money for education mm-hmm. systems. You've got churches getting money for exactly. after-school programs. You've got churches involved in rehabilitation of uh, – of criminals once mm-hmm. they get out of but the see, once they get out of it. So this is a gray line that I think needs to be black and white. I agree with Either you. Either you're a nonprofit and you do not take money from taxpayers or you are a profit and stamp it what it is because you know when people started, are incentivized. Right? People incentivize the word incentivizes bad behavior. This is not well, this is not a Democrat it program. It started with with Bush, uh, the younger. Mm-hmm. 
But the point is, churches, the, the, the role of the church in America, which is a wonderful role, whether they're supposed to be handling the welfare issues. They're supposed to be taking care of the impoverished, the, 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 the elderly, uh, as well as our families are supposed to be doing that, which is why they had the tax-exempt status in the first place. So when you have the government and the church start working together on these things and start giving <laughs> money, then I, those are my tax dollars being used to protect and defend illegal aliens, okay? So if my tax dollars are going to be used to help people, I want them to be American citizens. And I don't want that money going through any I church. don't even want them doing it for American citizens. If you right. look down there, even in Hot Springs, where you're from, you're going to find faith, pace, uh, organizations that are supposed to be tax-exempt, that are getting people sent to them from the judges in the county. They send them to the judges, all right? They take these people money when they come out of prison. They've got a savings account. They take their money out of their savings account. Uh, they get federal, they get state and federal tax dollars to rehabilitate these people to get them out of jail. They run them through the system. They charge them for it. They charge the taxpayers for it. They get state and federal money. And then, if they don't do well, they send them back to prison and they rotate them again. Okay. And I think part of the And they rotate them again. So we're incentivizing, just like you're saying, the Catholic Church is incentivized by people coming across the border illegally because they have a profit in it. it, it it's dollars and cents. And uh, we do not need... Our faith-based organizations making money off the well, taxpayers. There needs to be a clear separation between well, church exactly and state. Right. The, the thing is that the government has gotten involved in doing a lot of things that that individuals and churches should have been doing, and the government has just gone way overboard with it. And and now they're, they're seeing that these programs, these government-run programs, just don't work, or they're counterproductive in many cases. But they're seeing that you know what? If we spend some state money to send them to religious or faith-based programs, they work a whole lot better. But when you're comparing it to a government program that doesn't work at all, yeah, it looks great in comparison to the government program when you just look at bare numbers. But they're doing something that never should have been done in the well, first place. Well, it needs place. to be a business. I'm with you. It needs to be a business. It's not a faith-based program if they're taking taxpayers' money. If they're taking taxpayers' money, it's a business. Well, it's, it's a right. business. They can have a foundation of God's Word with their sense of authority for right and wrong. I believe our government ought to have that source of authority for what right and wrong is. But, but they have a either God. you're taking taxpayers' money or, and uh, you need to be paying taxes and operate as a business or, or not. And so what they're doing is they're not paying taxes and they're making money off the taxpayers. They're incentivized by letting criminals out early before they should be and, and putting them out on the streets. And anytime you have a conflict of interest, you're not going to have the result that you're looking for. And that money is being utilized to fund people who are here in violation of our immigration laws. Right. And in, case, in, in, right. in your sanctuary cities, which the charities, the Catholic charities have fought to support in those sanctuary cities, they're not even letting law enforcement deport illegals who have been arrested for crimes in those states and in those cities. So you see. Now, if you go into the church, you're in a sanctuary at that point. Uh, the government cannot come in and get that person. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. That's why we need yeah. to stop people they're at the under, border. They're That's, under protection. Are you serious? Need a serious. How, yeah, I'm serious? How did that ever become come a reality? Yeah, how did that become law? That's because of uh, religious beliefs. 
Well, you know, there used to be the sanctuary cities in the Old Testament, so if you accidentally killed someone, you refuge, could go yeah. to a city of refuge. Exactly right. But uh, but it wasn't but, a sub- – from what I can tell, it wasn't uh, a government subsidized You couldn't leave. Thing. No, it wasn't government subsidized. Yes, but Dave, even the church – I mean, the church – no church, regardless of your denomination, should be harboring and protecting criminals. Well, I'm not and saying especially that they when should you, be. I'm just saying here's what it is right now. Yeah, but I want to know where in the Bible – I would like to know in any kind of Bible verse that tells uh, churches that we should protect that people who have violated the law should not have to face the consequences of their actions. There's a lot won't, of things that churches preach that it. aren't in the Bible. Yeah, well. I'm just saying. I'm I'm not defending. I'm just saying, okay? That's okay. all I'm doing. The thing that I'm saying is that what's, what is our president going to do? Because there's, there is a, a large minority in this country that thinks that everybody that's on that road marching towards our borders are marching towards our borders because they've been you know punished somehow they're victims. yeah they're yes. yeah they're all victims they all they want to have is a better life well, they're victims of There's poverty, is what they're saying. Yeah. Victims of poverty and victims of a bad government. But here's what here's what we need to do besides militarizing the border. We also need to cut off uh, United States aid. We're sending well, he's 460, doing that. $464 yeah, million dollars to these countries that are not taking care of these people. Uh, so, yeah. But, but if we're going to take care of victims, what about the victims who are United States citizens who are already here? Yeah. We've, got, we've got plenty of poverty uh, that we need to be addressing without well, adding to poverty, that. Not only poverty, but how do we know that these people that are coming here are the kind of people that we want in our country. We don't know. They could be killers. A lot There's no of way them, to vet them. A lot of them have already been, uh, you know, uh, deported. They're coming back with mm-hmm. the caravan because they know that it's not going to be watched over the way they would watch over it in any other way. So, yeah, it's it's a really bad situation. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about all of this some more. Uh, I want to open the phone lines up. I want you to call us and tell us what you think needs to be done. 823-0965 is our local number. 823-0965. If you're watching on uh, YouTube and you're outside the area code, it's 501-823-0965. What would you do if you were President Trump? That's the question. What would you do? I mean, I see the people on Facebook, they go, you would put people in cages? No, Obama does that. Uh, this president hasn't done that. Bottom line is is that the key is, what are we supposed to do then? Are we just supposed to let everybody enter into our country? You know, if we don't have borders, you don't have a country. It's that simple. It, it really is that simple. Hey, look, if you're looking for um, to make a, a step up in your life, uh, the folks over at PI Roofing are looking for good workers in all of their different divisions. So whether, you know, you do commercial roofing, residential roofing, you like to work in the house and, you know, fix the things that a a leak might have uh, caused a problem with, then uh, you can come over and and do those types of deals. If you like to work with your hands, if you like to work outside, then PI Roofing would like to talk to you. They're paying up to $20 an hour uh, for qualified people all you have to do is go to piroofing.com and they'll take you from there that's piroofing.com hey don't forget about aero plumbing aeroplumbing.net that's where you'll find all of the information you need about what type of work they do uh, as far as their uh, 
warranties on their work and 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 whatnot you go to aeroplumbing.net they are my plumbers that i turn to anytime that i have something to be done in the, the world of plumbing at the ellswick ranch because without them i would i would have been spending a whole lot of hard-earned money that i didn't need to spend and they have their 100 percent satisfaction guarantee if you're not 100 percent satisfied with the service they provide, they'll refund all of your money. If the plumber smokes or swears in your home, doesn't wear those little shoe covers, or they haven't been drug tested, you don't pay for the service either. If a repair fails in the first year, they'll repair it again at absolutely no charge. That's aeroplumbing.net or just Google Aero uh, Plumbing. All right, Jan Morgan's here. Paul Calvert is here. I didn't expect Paul today. <laughs> I expected Paul to be gone today and back next week. Problem was, he is here today and will be gone next, next week. week. Yep. He's going on a cruise, Jen. Yeah. I know. I'm jealous. Is this your Fish first line. cruise? It's my second one. I went, sure? That's uh, right. You went one a couple years, time. two, three yeah. years ago. And, um, so yeah, I'm going with my sister. And we should should be a neat little trip. Okay. It's, yeah. this, what's cool is this time of year, it's really, really cheap. Yeah, but... Like four hundred bucks a piece. For yeah, you? yeah. I think for the two of us, it's it's less than eight hundred dollars. That's wow. pretty good. And yeah. That's all but your you food. Can't carry. You, you're no, defenseless. How can I you know. enjoy a vacation without it's, a way it's, to protect yourself? I know. I mean, it, it was, mm. What's funny is last, the last cruise I went on, they let you carry a pocket knife. So I carried a pocket knife just like I do, just about everywhere I go, mm-hmm. uh, according to their regulation length. Yours was what a six inch blade? <laughs> well, no. It, it, I think I think the regulation was three inch, and I think mine was like two and three quarters or something like that. So it was. It was a, just a reasonable, regular pocket knife that I stick in my back pocket with a, with a clip. And um, they took me aside and and gently told me to stop doing it because it was scaring some of the European customers, I think. Wow. Did, they, did they take you to a room and they turn, did. did they turn the light on you? No, they did take me to a room with? without a doorknob on the outside. I did something, yeah. I did something in Portugal. I was in Portugal, and I was in a cathedral buying something at the gift shop. So she asked for an ID. So I gave her my concealed weapon license and gave it to her. And she said, are you a police officer? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm an American citizen. I'm not a police officer. She said, uh, do you own a gun? And I said, ma'am, I, I carry. I arsenal. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Besides that, I said, ma'am, I carry a gun in church. And she said, that's wrong. <laughs> she couldn't believe that. She, she doesn't want to be safe in church. She doesn't I wouldn't, think that I wouldn't. She, I wouldn't be a member of a church that didn't allow me to carry. Well, you'd think that the people want to be protected there. I think there's a responsibility to take care of, of the members of the church. So, right. So right. Uh, there is a personal responsibility that, that we as Americans take seriously. But she could not believe the concept mm-hmm. of someone. You know, they think guns are bad and they run around shooting and killing people, mm-hmm. you know, all by themselves. They're just not educated. Well, you know, they think well, the way their they, government they, tells them to because think. Because decades of being without firearms, being without a way to defend themselves, then, yes, it's foreign to them when you grow up with that. And they've that, and that's – It's sad. Well, well, but we've had people come to our range, to the gun cave. I've trained people from nine different countries, believe it or not, well, and every state in America. And the people that come there from Australia every year, from uh, Japan – France. I mean, we have trained all kinds of folks, and yes, they are astounded when they walk in and see me wearing a gun on my hip, uh, you know, and, and and walking around town like that. They're, they're just fascinated with that. But yeah. Well, somebody showing up an hour later is, does not do 
very much help for the citizens in Walmart or they in can, the church. They, you know or that they can draw else. chalk lines around. In the UK, I actually had a, a police officer and his wife from the UK came to Hot Springs, Arkansas. He, uh, they were in America on vacation, and they came by the gun cave to get their pictures made there and everything. But uh, he wanted to take my pistol class, and he put his wife in my class as well. He was quite a good shot because he was former military. Right. But he said even police officers there cannot carry a gun That's unless correct. you are a member of SWAT team. You don't wow. get to carry. And yeah, I said, if you're a Bobby, you, you yeah. don't get to carry. I said, so what do you do when you when you come up against all of these? Because they're having a lot of problems and because London of immigrants yeah. who have come into their country. There are entire areas there that are just rogue where not only law-abiding citizens are afraid to stay or go into, but police are afraid to go yeah, there. there's no go zones in London. Exactly. So I've asked him, I said, so if you can't carry a gun, what do you do when you come up against a, a bad guy with a gun? Because the bad guys still have guns. And he right. said, well, yeah. And I said, what do you do? And he said, well, I ask him politely to drop it. <laughs> Well, how does that work for you? And he said, not too well. I said, what do you do after that? And he said, well, I ask him a little louder. Go, go, so. on, go on YouTube. And <laughs> ask him pretty please. When they were having the Muslims over there using knives and attacking them, mm-hmm. watch the police run away from them. Yeah. It's Can you imagine sad. what it's like to be a citizen over there now? I can't, I can't it's even. Scary. It's scary. They're, right. they're rising up, though. A break, and then we're back with more. News is next. Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget the number, 82309. Six five. Now, Jan, that's Thump. Thump with that's his thump. little yellow hair. Yeah, I love it. But <laughs> Doctor he's, he doesn't Tim comb Lim. it right. It's supposed to be combed to way out here. It's not long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor Tim Lim wrote that book. It was a bestseller on Amazon mm-hmm. last year. I Don- know. Year yeah, Donald I have a copy Trump. of it now. Yeah. Donald, it now. Donald Thump. Yeah. Now he's got uh, what is it? The uh, the one that he's got Donald Trump in outer space. That's mm. the newest one that's coming out. And then he's got. Uh, uh, the rabbit that's uh, a special forces rabbit. Does he have a teddy bear story? Because I, no, I have a, I have a have Trump a, teddy bear. Have that. He doesn't have a teddy bear. He's one. got the big, you know, the yellow hair. Yeah, everything. he's a rabbit guy. <laughs> I'm going to bring him next time I come on the show. Go I'm right bring, ahead. Bring him. Bring him in here. Yeah. I don't know what might happen if a rabbit. By then, a by then we will have had the invasion, right? If it's going to happen, when, when yeah, are they I supposed don't know. To it's not going to be by the uh, election. You figure a group of people moving about 50 miles. A day, they're still about a thousand miles away from the border, mm-hmm. so they got a ways to go. So they on foot, or how they? Yeah, yeah. they're walking for the uh, most part. They do have some flatbeds that people are riding on, but they're mm-hmm. traveling very slow. Okay. So, yeah. how do you think this is going to play out in the elections? Is is this going to be a good thing for the Republicans, or is it going to? I think in the Southwest, it's going to be a great thing for sure. the Republicans. Yeah. I think this could all the border this could states really sway Nevada. To be honest with you. It, re- it really, really it should could. be good for Ted Cruz race. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, Arizona, already showing. Arizona, Texas, all those border states who have suffered dramatically uh, financially as well as uh, criminally, you know, the, the, the number of laws uh, and the criminals that have come in. So those states, I think the people there more than anybody are fed up. Republican polls are moving up right now in the election. Big and the time. polls. Mm-hmm. Everything's moving up after Kavanaugh uh, got confirmed. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump being strong right. on immig- in immigration right now. Of course, if you read the Democrat, they're going to say that that's because you know, uh, you know, white males uh, like it whenever uh, whenever people are mean to to other people. If you read the Democrat, <laughs> but the Arkansas people Democrat, they're going to they're anymore. not buying you that. Know, they're the saying, are, no, they're so not buying it anymore. And I think that the the, the way the Democrats reacted during the Kavanaugh hearing, it was so outrageous. They hurt themselves more than they helped themselves. And I think yeah. they began to see that it was going to be a problem for them. But yeah, it's, I agree. Things are on the rise for the Republicans. But, we, but early voting has already started. Done. 
Early voting That's has right. already started. So yep, started yesterday. Yeah, and we've got we've got a lot of races. We also have some issues on the ballot. Now you're down uh, by Garland County, right? I'm in Garland County where they left the Secretary of State, the Democrat that's running for Secretary yeah, of State. They left your, her, name her name off the ballot. Off? Inman, Susan Inman, Susan, I believe. Okay, yeah. yeah. Left her off the ballot. Now yeah. I think there were over 200 and something votes cast before a voter caught, caught it. it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. Isn't that's it? kind of hard to undo too. Yeah. How do you? What do you do about that? I'm yeah, wondering what they're going to do. You well, can't just I toss guess, those well, 200 votes, those 200 ballots If you could out. contact every single one of those people and tell them, look, we made a mistake on the ballot, all of you can come back and re-vote. And they could just totally cast out all the ballots. Can and, you do and that? Re- I, don't I don't know. Think so. How do you, I don't Because know. I didn't think the ballots were actually uh, – is your name on the ballot? Or no, Mark, that's Mark the, that's, Johnson, that's if you're thing. listening, you'd would to, you call me? You'd have to right, – Mark you, you basically have to delete all the votes, I think, and have them all come back in because you – but that's you, not fair. If you delete those two hundred votes, if you eliminate right. those, and then if, if you no, took away those people's that's right, r- right. And so, that. so, so the only thing, what I'm saying is, you could if you could contact all two hundred of those people and get them all to vote again, and just delete all the all the previous votes, then you'd kind of be back at square one. But, what this has done get, is opened up an already opened up an opportunity for a challenge to the results sure. in the election in, in our sure. county, and that's that's unfortunate. We have a, an election commission. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Well, the How mis- hard is that? Mis- mistakes happen. What it is, there's so many different townships in the county and mm-hmm. so many different cities to where you're voting on so many different issues. And a lot of counties do not have a GIS mapping to where you can go in and, and just say, all right, I need all the people like Zillow. You can't go in and say, I need all the people that vote in this area yes, this or everything else. They're doing. This is on so every doing, ballot in every county. Yeah, yeah you would think that that, that, mm-hmm. that, that would, wouldn't be a problem since it's on every yeah, one of them. But it's unfortunate it, but it's that done Republicans are in charge of the election commission. We're in yeah. charge of the election commission yeah. uh, and and that that happened. We're talking with us about there's control. nothing perfect. Anything's going to have mistakes. We're talking about government here too. I mean, you could you could probably hire some high school kid to, to build an app that would work and and pay him five hundred dollars. But no, we have to we have to get a a, several, a system that's probably cost several million dollars and still doesn't work. You know what this also does. In addition to creating an opportunity for a challenge, it also leaves voters with a bad taste in their mouth and gives them the impression that the integrity of our elections is not intact. Hmm. And and that worries me because we already have, for example, in the primary election, we only had 18 percent of the registered voters in the state bothered to get out and vote. Many, many people in this state, I'm amazed at how many people in the state don't even know we had a primary election. I, I mean, I hear this every day from people. Well, they still think I'm in a race. So <laughs> we've got to do a better job of getting voters engaged with their government and helping them to understand that the primaries are really important uh, races. Well, and, that, and that's when the judges were voted on and the prosecutors yes. were voted on. Yes. And so so you, we've got people that are very, very powerful. And in effect, right now, the judges are, are, are the oligarchy in this country. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they run roughshod over the Constitution and over the rest of us in, in so many different cases. I mean, we wouldn't have abortion in the state of Arkansas if it wasn't for the judiciary branch that was running roughshod over us. Unless, unless I'm terribly mistaken about something else, but the big things happen on the primary dates. Mm-hmm. Hey, your local government is just as important as any government is. Your county or city government can they take try, as many of your rights away your from you. Your sheriff's race is the most important race of all because your sheriff in your county has more constitutional authority than the president of the United States in your county. And that's actually come into play, and we've seen that in several instances around the United States when, you know, uh, the overreach of the federal government. There's a little bit of a, a standoff government. there yes, somewhere. Yes. That, so if the federal government says, you know, we, 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 you, know you can't build that pond or this, that are the other and the sheriff does have an opportunity to exert his authority and say, "Look, these are U.S. citizens. You can't take their rights away simply because mm-hmm. you've got some stupid little regulatory agency that 
that thinks they want to protect some salamander or something of that nature, I'm sorry, these these sheriffs do need to step in and protect people's rights. I also have a question, and maybe someone on this panel can answer this for me because I don't know the answer. You know, I, I am struck by how many places that I visited around this state and, and talk with people who, who want to re- vote for Republicans in the primary, mm-hmm. but yet the, in their local sheriff's race or their county judge's race oh. or their, you know, city council race, they have to vote on the Democrat ticket because the person they want to vote for is running as a Democrat, but then they want in the statewide races to be able to vote for Republicans. So, you know, they're in the primary. You have to pick a ticket. You have to either vote all Republican or all Democrat. Is What is the reason that we don't allow people to vote for the person rather than the party? During the primary, you mean? Yes. Well, see, the, the problem is, I think, we've we've made this sort of incestuous relationship between the parties and the government, which never should have happened. So, so right now, the parties are kind of in bed with the government, and they cooperate, and then they, they divide up and, and pick their candidates through government cooperation, which is a dumb idea. The, the mm-hmm. government and the Republican and Democrat parties should never have been involved in their primaries together. Right. The, the primary should be a separate thing that the Democrats do and the Republicans do right, without the involving Democrats can flood our primaries, and we've seen that in a number yeah, right. of instances. Yeah, so it, it, right. So they should the, – the government should not have anything to do with primaries, in my opinion. The, the government should just stay out of them, and the Republicans can, can choose their candidates, and Democrats can choose their candidates, and the government can stay out of it. Better yet – I'd like the government – I think it would be better if the government didn't even recognize parties at all and everybody collects signatures to get on the ballot. But that's probably not as likely as, the, as just kicking them off the primary system. Well, I know there was some discussion uh, – was it last year or year before last – that our legislature was going to approach the idea of fixing this issue. And then it kind of just got pushed mm-hmm. by the wayside. Yeah. I don't know how. But, Dave, do you know why we – why we do this? I have way, no idea. Part of, of it is exactly what Paul said. It's the Democrats and Republicans wanting it to stay – a two-party affair. But see, I'm a Republican. I was Republican in the womb. My mother will tell you. I have been a Republican since I was born. But there are instances where you don't want to vote for Republicans, such as you have a Republican that's running for office. Let's say if uh, Woods had not been indicted, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, what if he was still in a race? Right. And, and, and I know, if I know that he has... Is, yeah, right. right. So I don't want to have to vote for a Republican in that case. Not that I would vote for a Democrat, but in, in some instances... You, you, just, you might you might prefer one Democrat over another Democrat. Democrat. You'd like, you like, you like to choose a... Um, or maybe an independent. Because sometimes... A libertarian. Sometimes the race is the primary. I just, and and so, so if you have two Democrat sheriff's candidates running and there's no Republican running, you don't get to vote in the general election if you don't vote in the primary. Right. Hey, guys, I've watched this, and whenever one party is involved in a lot of, uh, stronger than another party, mm-hmm. then uh, the negotiations goes on at the Capitol. Said, hey, all right, we're going to keep Obamacare, but we're going to make it more conservative, and we're going to let you have some say in this and you have some say in that. So it looks to me like that the Republicans and the Democrats negotiate and agree, and the, and the Democrats will come over and vote for the most uh, – liberal republican to get the work the best of the two evils so what it is so uh it, it should just be open it should just be open but it, it's negotiations i think between the republicans and the democrats anyway i i've sent out a couple of texts trying to get some people to come on the show that can talk mm-hmm. to us about the situation with leaving the name off the ballot what do you do right. about that i don't know why <laughs> they won't let us vote a split ticket jim mm-hmm. that i don't know i'd I'd have to do a little research on that and reach out to some people who know more about this than I do. But, 
Yeah, I, I don't exactly understand that either. One thing to stop it, if if you just said, hey, however you vote in the primaries, how you're going to vote in the, in the main election, mm-hmm. then the people would quit crossing over. Uh, so people will actually vote for somebody they have no intentions of, of, of winning Supporting. just because sometimes they'll try to get the weaker person on the ticket so they can vote for the Democrat or may, vote for the other person on the other side. That may be the reason that they make you vote one party or the other is to try to turn some people who might, if you could split your ticket, vote for, let's say, uh, I don't know, somebody that you know is going to lose in the general uh, to take the place of somebody who's a shoe-in to win the general. And, uh, you know, you go over and do that to the the Democrats, or the Democrats come over and do it to the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Well, that if you're going to leave it the way oh, it sure is, then just make them I mean, vote the same way both times. That's, that's Rush, that's them Rush Limbaugh <laughs> Operation Chaos. I mean, it's, 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 it's totally doable, it and, it's, and it's just the problem that the states never should have gotten into this business. But but it benefits both the Democrats and Republicans to keep the other parties out. Well, and to it, It's also kind of advertisement. We need to fix that. We need to fix the primary issue, and we also need to uh, have the ability to recall bad legislators, which is going to be an amendment. You know, in the in the state of Colorado, and people say, "Well, once they get elected, you know, you just can't beat the system." Yes, you can. When when the voters put boots on the ground, they were able to recall. Was it two two out of three Republicans who ran in the state of Colorado as Republicans? But as it turned out, once they were elected, the first thing they started doing was trampling the rights of the citizens. And as a Republican, you're supposed to be all about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And the citizens there put boots on the ground, and and through hard work and a lot of knocking on doors, they were able to get a recall election and recall two of those bad legislators. And I think if our lawmakers uh, knew, if our legislators knew that there's a chance they could be recalled. You see who's in the president's office? That's John Bozeman. Oh, wow. Sure is. There he is. Yeah, they're talking did, about how to stop how leftist groups are behind the caravan that's coming up from the south to the United States and combating human trafficking hmm. as well. Interesting. You know, the, so what, what the primary crossover into treason? I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but talking about the primaries on the solution, <laughs> yeah. I think the solution to that problem, if you declare as, that you're a Republican when you vote, you should have to vote in a Republican in the primary. If you declare you're a Democrat, then vote as a Democrat. And just the crossover is what I have a problem with where people can go both ways. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll do uh, a lot more talking about this, a lot more talking about. Uh, I got to bring up Cory Booker here in just a moment because what he p- presented yesterday, I about went freaking crazy. I mean, they got they got some of this stuff already in Europe, and it's ridiculous. But uh, now they, you know, all these people want to be U- European socialists. If you want to be a European socialist, move, move to mm-hmm. Europe. That's about the only way if you can be a European love, socialist. You know, if you love their 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 way that they uh, they do things, then go where you'll be happy at. Thank you very much. More coming your way in a moment. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Is that we have to change the laws. I say this having two very highly respected Democrat senators behind me. But we have to do something that we all agree with. We have to change the laws. We have to make them much different. Uh, They're very soft. And it's a different time. Truly a different time. Maybe there was a time where that could have been appropriate. But we have to have immigration laws now that are suitable for this time and at work. And the ones that we have now are old and they don't work. They don't work and they don't come close to working. And we need protection. We have to have a wall. 
We've been building the wall. We started the wall. San Diego's almost completed the whole area, the whole area of California. But we uh, we want to do it quickly. We don't have. To, we don't want to take years to do it. But I, I really believe that, and I think that I don't see anything's uh, that kind of an asset when you look at what's happening. When you look at uh, heartache on both sides, because it really is. It's heartache on both sides. But when you look at. 10,000 people, because I don't believe that was 5,000. I think that was much more than 5,000 people. But when you look at that massive group of people on the bridge, when you saw it on the bridge, the group, I really think that it probably spells out to us and Congress, something has to be done. You can't have this happen. Something has to be done. So in that way, I think maybe it's going to be a good thing. We're going to see. We're going to see. We're counting on our military. We'll have to call up our military if we need to. But we can't let this happen. We cannot allow our country to be violated like this. And it's very unfair. People are waiting online that went through a legal system of immigration. And they've been going through it for many years. And they've worked hard. They've done everything they're supposed to do. And then people just come running across the border. It's really unfair to the millions of people that are waiting online to come in legally into our country. It's very unfair. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Do you see any argument, Mr. President, for trying to improve the conditions in those countries by not decreasing aid, but perhaps maintaining aid? I know, and I've heard that aid? argument before, but it hasn't worked for a long time, those countries. I want to improve the conditions in our country. I want to improve the conditions here. Now, part of that condition and improving the condition is we are doing so well. So many companies are coming in. I spoke with uh, Prime Minister Abe very recently, and he informed me that we have five major car companies coming back. I said, you have to do something. You have to balance it out because it's like a one-way street. The trade imbalances are so different between, as an example, Japan, just one, Japan and the United States. Uh, we have Foxconn coming in. They make the phones for, for Apple. Uh, they do a lot of work for Apple. They do a lot of work for everybody. They're coming, they're opening up in Wisconsin. But we have a lot of companies coming in. We need, at 3.7, it's the lowest in many years, many decades. We need great people coming in. I want great people to come in. I want them to come in through the merit system. I look at the people that we're talking about. I, I really watch pretty carefully. All of the networks, I have to be honest with you, all of them. And you, and you have to even seen it. You did, yeah. You had some beautiful shots of some very good people. And I really think that those, some of those people, a lot of those people, I think there's a lot of talent in that, that group. There's a lot of talent. We need people because I have companies coming into the United States. They have to be able to get workers. And our great, even conservative people that maybe three, four years ago would have felt differently about it, they now feel. We have to get people to operate these big plants and factories that are opening in the United States. I want them to come in. I want them to come in through a merit-based system. And I think a lot of people are going to be happy with that. I want to build our country. I don't want to go to other countries to rebuild. That's what we've done. We've been trying to rebuild the world and police the world. It's now time to rebuild the United States and to properly police the United States. And that's what we're going to do. At the same time, we're going to help other countries all over the world. But we have to focus on our country for a change. And that's what we're going to do. Okay? Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, we've been following this uh, give and take the president. All right. Now we, 
That was some pretty good stuff we got there. Yes, it was. Russ, good stuff. I agree with the president. I do, too. We've been trying to rebuild the world for, since World War II. It's time now to rebuild the United States of America. I'm all about that. You know, he said the other night, I'm a nationalist. I've been a nationalist since I was born. America first. That's right. If Look, we shouldn't be giving money to anybody unless it's somehow going to benefit us. Exactly. And so we need to stop giving foreign aid to the three countries that are sending all of these people over when here we to invade us. When are we going to recognize that this is stealing from Americans? I mean, whether or not these people deserve it is, is, is kind of irrelevant. It's our money. You, you have to take it from people. You point guns at your fellow citizens and take it from them and give it, to the, give it to these people. It may be a good charitable cause. So you ask people to donate money for charitable causes. You don't steal it from them. Exactly. Well, but, you know, the president did say we need immigration reform. But right oh now, we've God, got to deal with this. He's been trying to do that forever. Forever. But he can't because the Democrats. Yeah. <laughs> Schumer Democrats says we're not going to talk about it because he's using it as a, as a, a political cudgel to beat everybody over the head because with. Because all of these people that are marching toward our border, that's a Democrat voting block. That's why the Democrats don't want reform. They want these people in our country by the millions because that's the only way that they're going to be able to get elected because Americans are waking up. Public school isn't working well the, the Democrat They want the whole world to be victims. Hey, we're... You're looking there, and they're showing pictures on Fox right now. Maybe as many as, uh, you know, 7,000, 10,000 people there. Let me tell you, you know how many people was uh, arrested at the southwest border last year? 528,000 people. 528,000 people. Think about it. All right, so I got us an answer uh, about the ballot issue that we had about – the Secretary of State's uh, office having one of the people that are running for the, you know, in, in the election, not having their name down in Garland County. And the, ba- the basic part that I, I want to share with you, if it's not covered in the statute, then some judge must address it from past precedents. There is a legal concept which ultimately means no harm, no foul. In other words, it would mean that unless the error made a difference in the election, there would be no need for a solution. So, but in you, other words, if the if the vote is not anywhere close, close. to being two hundred, then it's not going to be. That's right. right. But you can't figure that out until after the election until is over. After and so the it's, election it's, is over. So the, the so how do you fix it before it becomes an issue? You well, can't you make wait sure till you it becomes it an issue the, before you fix it. I, I kind of like that. Now, listen. <laughs> here's what it says: this. Hope that was helpful. I'm not going to say who sent me this, mm-hmm. all right, but hope that was helpful. You'd be shocked how many inadvertent screw-ups there are. Although not usually leaving a statewide candidate off the ballot, the high number of individual ballot styles makes this more apt to occur. But see, we need to be de- determining what causes these mistakes so that we learn from them so that we don't repeat them the next time. And it seems to me that there should be several sets of eyes that look over a ballot before you finalize it and say, okay, well, yeah, this is it. There needs to be a lot of people proofreading. I agree with yeah, you. But, I mean, there's only, what, two or three candidates in the Secretary of State race. Uh, yeah. There's two, but this was the, the Democrat who was left off the ballot in yeah. Garland County. For those of you who are just now joining us and don't know what we're discussing, there was a, you know, 200-something <laughs> voters voted before a voter caught it that they 
there was not a that the democrat had been left off the ballot in, in my county so. most commissioners are volunteers as far as the right. election commissioners are volunteers and right. there's usually four or five of them that is doing a ton of work and That's they right. are they are understaffed and, mm-hmm. and not paid at all mm-hmm. and uh, they do not have an electronic database of who's in the county and what voting districts they are in they have to do it manually but this so, is statewide uh, so it doesn't matter so, it should be in there. she should be on the ballot yeah, in every yeah, county it should be part mistakes of happen all the time but yeah statewide race is crazy but the counties probably need to get together to come up their county and hire a a full-time person that is paid to do the, to do this but well, right now they're volunteer unpaid well, mm-hmm. uh, well uh, yeah that's part kind of part of the problem with our <laughs> with our voting style we we actually give people multiple choice to fill out and i would actually prefer that you have to write out who you're going to vote for in the different elections. Uh oh. <laughs> that, that that way you can't just go and say, "Well, that guy's name sounds better than that guy's name over there," and so I'm going to vote for this guy who has a flowery name, or the or the or the the senator in front of his name, or the judge in front of their name. I want people to be more informed when they vote. If they can't remember the candidate's name, they don't get to vote. But people aren't. Too many people aren't, and that's among the people who bother to vote. You wouldn't believe how many people text me or call me or message me and say, the, "How are you going to vote on this issue? Issue one, issue mm-hmm. two, issue." Issue three, issue oh, four, yeah. issue Crazy, five. You know, what do you? Who are you going to vote for for this race or that race? And I say, mm-hmm. you know, who I vote for is is not relevant. You need to to study it and, and figure out for yourself. You know, where do you? How do you feel about this issue? Be informed or, about this or don't vote. Yes, exactly. I mean, don't, don't, I'm not one of these people that goes out and says, "I don't care who you vote for, just go out and vote." No, if you don't know who you're voting for, don't vote. I mean, come on, people. And having a clear understanding. That's, that's, that's like driving down the road with your headlights off in a fog. At midnight. That's pretty scary. You don't so do tell that? me that. Tell me. Five beers, too. Speaking of ballots, uh, issue one and issue three, have, are they still on the ballots or they have they been removed? On, no, they are on the ballot. You'll vote. But, but they're they not going to doesn't matter. So you can Correct. still go ahead and vote, and it'll, um, it'll it'll be counted, and you can actually see the only ones they count two, four, five. <coughs> yeah, so, that, so they don't get counted, but but they'll still get they'll still get tallied. I assume so. You can it'll be a. I don't know if they do tally. Hmm. I bet they will, and it'll just be a way they to, won't tell you. To, um, I'll tell you that we'll you'll, see. You'll never know. Well, uh, I, I think sometimes they do. I don't know, but anyway, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they do because then it'll it'll be sort of a. Um, a hint for the legislators to look and say this was really 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 popular because it would have passed with flying colors mm-hmm. if it had actually been legitimate but or, or, or it would have failed well was it issue four is the voter id right and issue five is the minimum wage or it's going to get them reversed okay so on the voter id i have a question uh it really gives it number one it says you will have to have a photo id to vote in arkansas that's, that's what we're two. Vo- that's issue two that's okay issue but two. we but we already I think four we already old. have that we already have that. Yeah, four is casinos. But it was but, it was kind of a, just a state law. This is going to make it, it a constitutionally. Wasn't it? Was it Courtney know, Goodson that threw it off the ballot last time? I have or threw, no, I don't remember threw it, if it was. I've it always had to produce a photo ID when I voted in in the state of Arkansas. Well, so so I think previously but they they will they'll give you a provision a provisional ballot if you don't have a photo That's ID. Correct. So, so I think. But, but how do you prove you are who you are if you don't have an ID? You can't. So illegals can vote? You don't even yeah. have to prove citizenship if you just ask for a provisional yeah. ballot? There's been elections where the, the people on the election commission could not ask for an ID, where they were told that they could not ask for one. Hmm. The film one said someone came, I, that's about two years ago, if someone came in to vote, 
then uh, you ask them who they were and look them up. Mm-hmm. If they gave you an ID, you you could use it, but you could not ask for well, one I, to verify I, I, who I they were. I think in the past what they would say, you could ask, but you couldn't demand it. So they, you could you could say, well, can I see your ID? And you say, no, you don't have to give it. And they'd it, still let you vote anyway. It, it was kind of yeah. like our constitutional carry that nobody had really taken a clear position on it. So right. <laughs> well, so everybody was, was kind of making it up as they go right. along. What's kind, of, what's kind of weird about this is you have some people on the left will say, well, it's it's discrimination to, to not make people show ID to vote, but then they want all kinds of information just so you can buy a gun. Right. I, and, and, and voting, actually, it makes sense because you, you can only vote one time. You know, if you could vote hundreds of times, then it really wouldn't matter if you showed ID. But since we can only vote one time, you kind of have to be able to, to determine, you know, did this guy vote 10 times already? Or, or And so it it, it you kind of got to figure out some way to, to ensure that people aren't voting just – this this issue though also allows the legislature to determine what the provisions are or what the guidelines are going to be for voting, doesn't it? Doesn't it give them the authority know, to do that? I, this, I know I this, read that. Is, this particular amendment is not one that I've looked at real close, unfortunately. Um, maybe we need to actually look. I'm at the sure it's been written in it. such a way that there are some states that have been able to pass voter ID, and it hasn't. It is passed judicial review mm-hmm. and i'm sure they've tried to write whatever we're putting on our ballot in, in a way in the to, same way to, 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 to avoid to judicial. avoid the but provisional ballots are not counted though until they can verify that that's the person correct. is who they are yes. so right that's correct how would you like to have that job mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. I, I need to be a master like mm-hmm. this guy that would find one wrong thing on a full sheet of a petition and throw everybody off mm-hmm. of that sheet. Which is, I, I think that is unconstitutional. Well, that's a serious problem because you've got all these people that wanted to sign a petition for something in particular, whatever it was, and then somebody made a mistake, and so then their, the their, signature, doesn't, their signature doesn't count now, and it's illegal for them to sign it to have signed it twice. Well, They couldn't have signed it somewhere else. does it throw them off. It throws everybody right. on that, that sheet. sheet. Right. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. Is so, so a person wants to sign a petition for some particular issue, and so they legit, they, they, they're, they're in good faith signing this petition underneath. So if I was a Republican and I was working on an issue, and if I was a Democrat and I didn't want that Republican issue to pass, then I would go over and say, I want to sign this. I want to sign your petition and, 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 and mess and up their – You might you might be able to do be, that. Yeah, and, well, you could. And, and so there's um, – there's some legislators, I think, and some some people who are elected officials that don't like the idea right. of, of government of, of the people being able to to more be more directly involved in stopping laws or making laws, and so they've I think they've intentionally made it harder. Well, I'll bring up number five in a moment because personally, I think five should be completely unconstitutional. But we'll get to that in I just agree. a moment. Let's talk to uh, Mark Johnson. Soon to be state senator, Mark Johnson. Mark, how are you? I'm great, Dave. I'm so glad you guys are talking about this. And I let me first, Paul. I'm sorry, but they're not going to let you know the tally. Oh, I, I that's right. Man. I look. He doesn't, Mark, he doesn't listen to me. Can, can, can we? Can well, we? Can we file a um, a um, um, what do you call it? Uh, FOIA request for it? No, because the uh, Supreme Court said they shall not be counted. So That's if right. You count them would be violating hmm. a court order. So, but uh, so is the computer going to obey that request? Yes, <laughs> it just exactly. won't. It just won't be doing it. Interesting. Go ahead, Mark. And, it, and well, one thing, of course, we have different 
types of voting machines around the state, so it's not like there's one thing. Now, perhaps if the Russians have... Uh, have <laughs> oh, uh, that's how we can find out. We can ask the Russians. They'll know the answer. Oh. Well. But you'll have to call Trump for that information. Well, right. <laughs> or Hillary Clinton. <laughs> to, get back, to get back to being serious, though, uh, I have to tell you a little story. It's not a big deal, but you could see the potential for this. Uh, while I will probably vote early this fall, I usually try to vote on Election Day. And in the primary, I went to my precinct, which is out in far western Pulaski County. It's just about as far as you can get from downtown, I think. But uh, uh, I went in, and I was excited to vote for myself for the first time. And I got my ballot. I walked over to the little cubicle, and uh, my race was not on my own ballot. Oh. And I kind of... <laughs> I kind of freaked out. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I, I'm sure I, someone it would have been great to see the look on my face. So I, I, I went to our our, our election officials, and, and they were they were just upset. They were so upset, and they were so nice and trying so hard. And, and as you mentioned, they're volunteers. And uh, our, our the, the judge, the head person in our precinct, is a lady, and I don't know how old she was, but I can guarantee you she's uh, at least eighty. And uh, she was doing her best, and she says, well, I've got, I can call, I will call Brian, meaning Brian Poe, the election coordinator. And I said, well, I've got the chairwoman of the election commission, Pat Hayes, on auto dial. I'll call her. And, And Pat was just, she was so crestfallen when I told her. And she said, you know, we trained and trained and trained, but things fall through the cracks. Well, what had happened I live in a split precinct. I live in a precinct where some of my neighbors, very close neighbors, are in the other Senate district. They're actually in uh, uh, the district that will be, it's it's currently, well, it's empty. It's Kim, the one Kim Hammer is running for. I can't okay. remember the number. But uh, there were actually two ballot styles for my precinct. Uh, same number of precinct, but but two ballot styles, and it should the the book they get should have had or did have probably did have by my name the correct ballot style number, and we looked around and there was a table in the back that had their ballots wrapped in cellophane, and sure enough the correct ballot was there and it was wrapped in cellophane and they had not opened them thinking that the the one digit off ballot style would have been the appropriate one. Well, they got me the right ballot. My, I had to sign an affidavit on this ballot that they had to not destroy. It had to be sealed in an envelope and saved so you know, you know what happened to that ballot. Right. Uh, and obviously, it's a good security thing. But turned out the uh, uh, I got to vote properly, and uh, but I, I learned about this. And, and it made me realize that a lot of the problem is that, I mean, why in the world would you have a split precinct? I mean, we've split counties and congressional districts now. We we used to have some fairly simple district lines where, and now nobody knows, you know, where they, are you my senator or is someone else my representative? And, and I've got uh, several state representatives that part of their district comes into my Senate district, but but not all of it. And it, it creates a confusion that I wish we could come up with a way to fix. The courts have been so strict on this one-man, one-vote rule, 
and and if you take the census and you draw uh, you draw the districts and uh, uh, people move. If no one ever moved, it'd be accurate. But yeah, you, know, you can't keep that accurate. So I wish we could use some common sense. For example, years ago, Pulaski County was divided into five Senate districts. You had two north of the river and three south of the river, and in those within those three. Senate districts, you had, or, eight, or five Senate districts, you had three state representatives, and they served at large. So uh, the senator and the three at large representatives represented everyone in that uh, uh, district. And it, it worked real well. Now, I thought, well, why not make it really simple and cut them? If, now, if you have to have one man, one vote, and, and, and single member district, cut each of those Senate districts into three parts and also let that be the JP districts because in Pulaski County, you have 15 JPs and you would have 15 representatives. Now, I know that's probably not possible the way the demographics change, but but I think we've gotten to a point where, you know, the overlapping districts are so confusing that it, it causes the voters not to really know with any kind of accuracy, who actually represents them, and and it, and I don't think that's a good thing. I think yeah. we need to know I, that. I kind of like Mark your... Johnson's their senator, uh, and that uh, I'm right now in, in Greenbrier, so that uh, uh, Stephen Meeks is your sen- your state representative, or something like right, that. People right, right. Should should be able to know those things. All right, Mark, I got to let you go. We got to get a break. Great. Thanks for calling great, in. Great subject, and we Thank appreciate you. you. Thanks so much. So, we got more coming your way, but first this. When we come back, issue five and why I think it shouldn't even be on the uh, the ballot. All right, back with you. Let's talk a little bit about issue five, because I will vote no on issue five. I will vote no on issue four, and I vote yes on, uh, you know, the, f- the full thing of showing a voter ID, which is issue two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, issue five, I just don't think that it is... The right of any citizen to tell anyone who has started their own business how much they must pay as a minimum wage. Now, if you want to set that up for government, sure. fine and dandy. That, you that can do be. that, but not just on a public scale. We, R.D. and I were, were wondering when the minimum wage came into being. Well, it came in under FDR, 1938. Guess how much it was. I don't know, a dollar an hour, 50 nope. cents an hour? What do you think, Jan? Um, 75 cents an hour. 25. 25 cents. Wow. 25, which would, in today's dollars, only be $4.15. That so, was the beginning of socialism. Yeah, that was, it was the beginning. And actually, and, and from what I understand, there was actually some, exactly some, right. some localities, like maybe some cities or counties, that, that had some minimum wage even earlier than that. From what I understand, there were some um, some racists, actually, that didn't like the fact that they were having to comp- compete with black people who were willing to work for lower wages. And so from what I understand, they, they managed to get some laws passed that, that required a minimum wage in certain industries that would basically make it so that the, the, the manufacturers would have to pay the higher wages, which the black people – which the white people were willing to work for, but the black people would work for lower wages. And so it was, it was for, for the purpose – 
of cutting out the black people who are willing to work for lower wages. Who, and that's, that's how they became competitive. Well, the Democrats will throw at people who do not support minimum wage. They'll throw out, well, you don't have any compassion. This is supposed to help people who can't live you know, under the current cost of living. But the minimum wage requirement actually hurts the very people that it's supposed to be helping. Because what happens? A business who has to pay employees more per hour turns around and passes that on to the consumer and or that employee just fi- or, is a consumer you know in the end and so they're going to have to pay more we all pay more so it really doesn't accomplish what it's supposed to and be. if they don't pass it on then paul you know as well they, as they i fi- do they fire they, they take one person give them a little bit more and right. let the other person right. go and so and so what happens is that so you've got 10 people that they're maybe working for you and five of them are, are, are pretty productive and the other five really, really just aren't as productive. But if you're allowed to actually choose how much you pay them, you can you can keep all of them employed. But when you're when you're told by the government, you know, you've got to pay them at least eleven dollars an hour, and you've got five people that are only worth nine dollars an hour, you have to fire those people, or else the other um, five are going to have to subsidize. We we want our teenagers and we want our high school kids to get into the job market. We want them to get a job. When you get a to job at a McDonald's, yes, yeah. whatever. I mean, we, we make fun of McDonald's all the time. I don't know why everybody picks on McDonald's, but when you get your first job, my first job away from working for my parents, which I did regularly, was carrying out groceries at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Well, I learned I had a boss. I had to show up at a certain time. I had to perform to a certain standards. I had to do what I was told. I learned a lot at my first job. But you don't... I I wouldn't have got that opportunity if they couldn't afford to pay me $11 an hour. Right. But when I got the first job, I didn't say, well, I'm going to carry out groceries for the rest of my life, and the federal government will make sure that I have everything that I need to be able to raise a family. It was my personal responsibility to learn from that job, to improve myself, and get ready to get the next job up. It was a personal responsibility, but they want to incentivize people go. to stay where they're at. Coming up next hour after the news. Second Amendment talk coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, 4 o'clock, and we are lucky. We've got two very special uh, guests here. Uh, R.D. and Paul are here, but I'm talking about... <laughs> we knew you wouldn't talk about us. <laughs> so, so, some of us I'm are a little more special than others. I'm so. talking about, of course, uh, Jan, and I'm talking about Don Wa- or Dan Waz, who's with us right now. Dan, how you doing? Hey, I'm watching you guys on Facebook. What a hey. good-looking bunch. Wow. Oh, yeah, boy. You don't lie. <laughs> hey, Jan. Good to see you today. Good to talk to you. Hey, Jan. Hey, Jan. How are you? I'm doing awesome. What do you guys want to talk about, like guns and stuff? Yeah, or I think radical maybe. left-wing we, nut jobs? What are we talking about? I think we can, can start we could, right off with uh, the Second Amendment. Let's talk about what has happened here in Arkansas. We touched on it in the first hour, mm-hmm. but I'm going to turn it over to Jan just for to start us off on. Big happenings last Tuesday here yes, in the state. Yes, since we were last on. Yeah. So we, meaning the, the, the people who actually have read the Arkansas State Constitution and know what it says, have been telling people for years, and, and I say we, meaning Patriots of Act 746 group, those are the guys who really have been trying to educate yeah, people for have. years, and they're amazing what they've been able to accomplish. But those folks have been telling the citizens of Arkansas for years that you have a constitutional right to carry a gun in Arkansas, right? Article 2, Section 5, the, the people of Arkansas. I have a right to keep and bear arms. Not a privilege, it's a right. Well, what happened after I was on last week is the Court of Appeals actually ruled in a case and it further validated, not that we needed to be validated, but it further validated what we've been telling you all along, that Arkansas, now get this, folks, if you're an Arkansas citizen, or even if you aren't, once you cross over into 
across over the state line into Arkansas, you have a constitutional right to carry a gun on you, open or concealed. See, there's been so much confusion for years here. People thought, well, and the reason they thought this is because they were told this by politicians, by prosecutors, by police officers who did not know or did know and wanted to intentionally deceive people for the sake of money. But the fact is, uh, we are a constitutional carry state. You do not have to have a concealed carry license from Arkansas or any other state to carry a gun here. And this this has been set now. It's case precedent now because of what happened in the Court of Appeals in Arkansas last week. Also, just a side note, something else happened. Uh, it also established case precedent that to be guilty of carrying a weapon, the state of Arkansas must prove, not suspect, but prove that an individual has unlawful intent to employ a weapon against a person. Right. Now, how do you how do you prove what someone's intent is unless you have some, a text message or like you brought up right. earlier or something? Right, right. Yeah. And so in, unless you've demonstrated your your willingness to, to harm people with it, then, it then, so so really about the only thing that law should probably be used for for the most part should be attack on to someone who's committed a crime. And so you know if if I'm carrying a gun and I walk into a bank to rob the thing, and I point the gun at somebody and, I'm, and tell them I'm going to kill them, well, then I've announced my intentions. Right. And, and so they they can de- determine that, well, he was carrying with the intent to use it on, as a But see, for people who don't know about the background of this case, this was a case that involved a guy who was walking down the street, and the police officer blue-lighted him, turned on his lights, mm-hmm. uh, and stopped the guy. You know, the guy turned around and stopped and faced him, you know, because so he acknowledged that the police officer was trying to stop him. Right. And the police officer made that stop based on some phone calls from citizens who said the guy was carrying a gun on his hip, and therefore they suspected that maybe he might be and he, he was, up to and no he, and, and he was acting maybe a little bit strange. But, but see, the way the, the Arkansas a, Court of Appeals ruled in this case, they said if you blue light, if you turn on your lights, you've seized, you, you've seized you have the person. seized the person, which means you have to, at that point, you either are you catching have, them in the commission of a crime or you have evidence you, to You have believe. to be able to articulate why you why thought, stopping thought there was a crime mm-hmm. afoot. And so, exactly. and so the, 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 the idea there is that you know people can be strange, and that doesn't justify arresting them, but, but there has to be something you can articulate the, the reason why you think, you know, this guy was fixing to rob my store. Right. Or, or you have to be able to articulate why. Just the, the fact that he's carrying a gun and he's maybe he limps. Or well, and the guy in this case little, was actually not a stellar citizen. He was actually stopped also. There were, he right. No, yeah. And so, yeah, so, so, related so, issues, so, which, by the way, got dropped. Because, now, because of the because fact of the, the illegal stop. Because of the illegal stop. It was right. And so, and so we, and that's, that's, a, that's a, another interesting issue. But the, but the thing is, so, so the guy was carrying a gun and it was printing on him. It wasn't actually showing. Right. So, so the gun was covered up but it was showing through his clothing if i understand it correctly and so the um the officers saw that and i think they kind of used that as their probable cause to stop him then once they which was which isn't probable cause it's not it's illegal not, to, ca- no. just to carry a gun uh, can carry it openly or concealed and so then they searched him and they found drugs on the guy which was which would have been enough to put him in prison for like 15 years i think mm-hmm. but because of the fact they illegally stopped him then the judge decided you know you have, we have to throw out all this evidence because you illegally stopped him. You never would have found this evidence had you not broken the law in the first place, which I think is a dumb idea because we've got – what we have, if we have two criminals here. We have the guy walking down the street carrying a bunch of drugs that are illegal, mm-hmm. and we have the cops who illegally stopped him and searched him illegally, and which is dumb. The dumb thing about it is that they threw evidence out for, for two crimes. 
Mm-hmm. They should have punished both criminals, but they well, don't actually, do that. Actually, I don't think it's dumb because if you, the, the bottom line is police and prosecutors need to know what the law is. They in do this need state. to know what the law so is. So my position is that it, right now every prosecuting attorney in the state of Arkansas needs to be made aware. Yep. You you need to understand this is a constitutional carry state. It's not up to you, as Governor Hutchinson said in one of his posts on Facebook. But you still should check with your county prosecutor because it's subject to interpretation. No, it's not. <laughs> not anymore. No, it's not. We now have case precedent. It's not subject to any prosecuting attorneys and. Interpretation. It's not subject to any law enforcement officer's interpretation. You have a constitutional right to carry a gun, open or concealed. So, folks, if you're not carrying because you can't afford a $140 fee to get a license from the state police, you don't have to do that. You can right. carry a gun. Another cool thing is this is coming from a lady who actually has a business where you, you work with people to get concealed carry licenses. So no, you're, you're, no, no, let, let, let's, no, let's alleviate no, no, that no, right now. No, no, no I, I, I teach, I, I, my class is called a defensive pistol right. class. We give people a license so they don't right. have to turn around right. and take another class, Because, but we yeah. actually my, train my, my people. My point the is that you're undermining some of your own business. I could make a lot of money, especially if I would teach the enhanced right. class, but right. I refuse to teach yeah, it because I'm, it's unconstitutional. I'm just saying how upright you are in this is that in that you're actually advertising to people. You don't have to come get my class to be legal you right. can actually come do this and so that's this is this is a, a concealed carry instructors in this state a number of them have been make, make guilty of, money. of telling people a lie which is that you had to have a license to carry because Witching. that's money in their pockets right. i've done the opposite let's let dan get in dan you, you had something you wanted to say well, well all i know is that arkansas is lucky to have this woman they call jan morgan because she's been beating this drum forever and and they weren't listening and now i'm so happy that they're listening because um you know it's easy for government officials to fool people who aren't paying attention and that's what i think is happening the more they say you need a you need a concealed carry the more people will actually believe it because they don't go and they they don't read the law like jan does and she's been she's been saying this for forever and the the problem is People who aren't paying attention can be convinced of just about anything, yep. and we need people out there telling the truth, like Jan. So um, she's a she's a real asset. To, can I uh, can I respond to, to that though? Because I want to make sure that people I I don't deserve the credit for that. When I first moved to Arkansas, it was Patriots of Act Seven Forty Six group that straightened me out. Because when I first came here and I started getting my instructor certification to be a firearms instructor, state police told me as an instructor that you teach people that you have to have a license to carry concealed in this state. I mean, I was taught to teach that. I was told this is the law. This is what this is the this is the way we operate in Arkansas. But it was the Patriots of Act 746 group and Gary Epperson and the guys that work so hard, Chuck Clifton, Tim Loggins, those people are the ones that called me out and said, oh, wait a minute, uh, and straightened me up. And so then I actually took time to read the Arkansas Constitution and listen to what these guys were saying. And I was like, oh, wow, I was wrong. They're right. So those that's the original force in Arkansas that has done so much to educate people. You know, I, I, I don't want to take credit for something that I, I don't deserve. And so what I would tell people of this state, if you really want to stay on top of gun rights issues in the state of Arkansas, you need to join that group on Facebook, Patriots of Act 746, because those people have fought so hard and they're in every area of the state and they will keep you informed on what the latest issues are. Yeah, and on top of, uh, of that, uh, they'll tell you, I'm sure Jan would tell you, that I would go ahead and get a concealed carry only because 
of reciprocity in other states. Yeah, unfortunately, see, what I've, I've been doing is fighting on the national level, and that's why I did not know when I first moved to Arkansas that we that that's what that we were a constitutional carry state. Mm-hmm. I just knew what state police had told me, which is what they were telling everyone else. But uh, and I I did not know until I got drawn into this whole battle in Arkansas. But yes, until I have a concealed carry license, as yep. much as I hate the whole concept of licensing, you know, getting a permission so slip from RD. an entity that you know that stole a right from I the don't people. Know about Paul, I've never asked. You. But but I don't have one. until we get constitutional carry. I don't even want you know. I I didn't like the president's whole idea. Of, 50 state reciprocity what i want is constitutional carry i want the second amendment we have, yeah, well, the right. second amendment period ma- ma- we already ma- have it we actually already have it. it it's that states have misled people into thinking that you can actually regulate or restrict or infringe make on it, a right make it a federal crime for any state or local official to arrest someone for carrying a gun make well, it the, a felony the federal government wants more government not less yeah, but, right. the, but the bottom line is until we get until we get this issue resolved nationally when i travel to other states and i travel a lot i i have to have that license to carry my gun in other states i don't have to but if i don't if i get caught with a gun which as a public figure they would make an example out of me uh i just i don't want to be in the middle of a legal battle when i have more important things to do but also when you buy guns the the license makes it a lot easier when you're purchasing firearms you can just walk into a gun store slap that license down on the counter and walk out with what you want instead of having to go through a background check yeah you can go in and And say this this reciprocity is certainly not what it's cracked up to be right now it's actually it's actually terrible i know jan and i did an, did a, an event in massachusetts and and uh we weren't we weren't able to uh to, to bring our guns it's like jumping through hoops going down the east coast too because i'm i'm in oh, yeah. new york yeah i wasn't even going to go to massachusetts to it's a terrible it's terrible you know so so i i agree constitutional carry is is what we really want um state to state reciprocity well i guess that would be a sort of a step in the right direction but right now it's just a disaster you you know i go into jersey i, I you're, you're scared to drive through jersey you know you don't know if you should have it in your trunk or in your glove box or locked up and have a swat team following you it's just it's, you know, <laughs> yeah don't, don't have a bullet do don't have a bullet inside your car i'm hey, just telling Dan- you Tell, tell, let's talk about, because I, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, and I haven't had a chance to discuss it with you, but have you found that gun owners in this country, not the left, we, we, we expect opposition from the left, but I am still surprised and amazed at how many people who own guns who say they are gun owners and they're for the Second Amendment, but they always say, well, I'm for the Second Amendment, but, which means but, they're really yeah. not. Are you still running into that everywhere you go? Oh, I get it. I get it all the time. You know, I, well, I, I, I support your Second Amendment, but I think we need common sense gun restrictions. <laughs> you know, all that means is that you know the yeah. common sense. First of all, is put in there. That, that's put in there. So if you go against what they want, then somehow you don't have common sense and you're irrational. You're radical. You know? Right. Exactly. But uh, you know, there, there's no. There's no, there should be no compromise on the Second Amendment. We either have the Second Amendment or we don't. You know, there's no, you know, I believe in your Second Amendment rights, but it's, it shouldn't even exist. But, see, you know, Dan, the problem is because they made so much hay on the Second Amendment that way, now they attack the First Amendment the same, the same way. Well, you have and the you know right to done? say that, but if you disagree well, you know with me, you don't. <laughs> You know? because, because they couldn't do anything with the First Amendment, you know, legislatively, they couldn't, you know, they can't do anything with it because it is an amendment, freedom of speech. What they've done is they've created something that goes around legislation. Mm-hmm. It's called political correctness. That's right. And 
This is a way of controlling oh, what people say uh, without using legislation. Oh, they, they, they've done, um, using they've done, other forms of leverage. They, they've done a lot to actually control what people say. There's, there's, there's a lot of regulations on speech, especially commercial speech. They, they have all kinds of regulations that tell you you can't um, say different yeah. things yeah, and, or start in different ways. The, uh, the, uh, the, the meeting starting in uh, the, the General Assembly in January, Jan, mm-hmm. we'll be talking about the First Amendment a lot. I'm really involved in that. Oh, yeah? Well, hate speech and all that? No right. such thing. We'll be talking about it. We're going to try to get legislation passed that no college can say that they're safe spaces. Right. Oh, you've been talking to Hannah Webb, haven't you? <laughs> uh, no, Hannah's been talking to me about that. But, I mean, the bottom line is because they were, I'm they, doing. Because they were, they were tossed off and uh, yeah. off the campus. Because you see they, all these signs in yeah. here? They came from the group that she was working yes. with. Yeah. A, but I'm glad they stood <laughs> up. I'm glad they stood yeah, up. And they fought. had to. And, and you, it's you hard get, to believe in you, Arkansas. You, it stayed in the, you know, in the South. Well, that, you, get, you get these kids that are afraid of maybe getting kicked out of school or something of that nature. And so they, they just kind of. Well, who's got the money? It sure ain't the kids. Let's take a break. we got to do that. i got to remind to you that. There are, there's no more produce at Holland Bottom Farms. You, like locusts, you have picked their fields clean. There is, there's nothing for you to buy any longer except for some pumpkins, mums, and you get some corn stalks and straw so you can do your fall decorating. Their last day is going to be Halloween, or if they sell out all the pumpkins, mums, corn stalks, and straw, they'll make that the last day. Just know that they're very happy with the year that they've had. You've been exceptional customers, and they, they thank each and every one of them uh, that are out there, all of you, and that they look forward to seeing you in the springtime again when the strawberries come back at Holland Bottom Farm. Highway 321 out in Cabot. All right, back with you. Dan Waz is with us. Dan, you're up there in New York. How are things in New York? I, I heard Kumo says he wants constitutional carry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Dan, you've made progress. Cuomo, oh, yeah, we, that would be progress, that's for sure. Cuomo is, it does nothing, but anything Cuomo does is for himself. I mean, this guy is so, they want to name the Tappan Zee Bridge now after his family. I mean, Cuomo, I, I live close enough to Albany where I can see Governor Cuomo's ego from my backyard. <laughs> this guy is no good. And we're, we're trying like hell to get rid of him, but yeah. uh, he, he, he seems to, he, he's stuck in place there for a little while, so... Yeah, it's just terrible. We got these red flag laws, and, and Jan and I have talked about the red flag laws that they're trying to pass in Arkansas. Well, they're trying to do similar ones in in New York. We've got the uh, the Unsafe Act, New York Unsafe Act. Hey, and, hey Dan, um, go back to that red flag. Yeah. Explain to my listeners why they should. I mean, Jan's talked about it. I want you to talk about it too. Why are well, they I, dangerous? Because they because they eliminate due process. And the one in New York, um, the, the, it looks to me, and Jan, you correct me if I'm wrong, it looks like every state is packaging all these little laws together, and they're all different. Each state is a little bit different. But New York uh, has one that says, basically, if you, if you're, let's say your child uh, may be a risk, someone thinks your child is a risk, uh, and any school, uh, certified school official can can deem that child a risk. And little Johnny is now deemed a risk by a substitute teacher because a substitute teacher has to be certified. So now the substitute teacher somehow has the right to determine whether little Johnny is a risk to society. So now uh, the feds go to Big Johnny's house and take away his guns until Big Johnny can prove that everything's okay. So now Big Johnny's got 
about two to three days to find a lawyer to prove his innocence. And in the meantime, his guns are gone. And, uh, you know, all because someone didn't like his kid or someone, you know, maybe little Johnny, I don't know, maybe he wrote on the wall. Maybe he hit some other kid. Maybe he did whatever. Maybe chewed his sandwich off in the shape of a gun. Actually, Dan, you're exactly right. That is that is what we're looking at in Arkansas, because because we are a Republican controlled state. We have a Republican uh, controlled House, Republican controlled Senate, Republican governor. Uh, Moms demand action. And every time for gun safety, Michael Bloomberg's mouthpiece organization against the hey, gun Jan, rights of the I citizens. I call them crazy, t- crazy town and moms demand attention. There you go. So those organizations, rather than try to come in the you know the, the main door, they try to sneak in through the back door and, and yeah. push this through the School Safety Commission, the Governor's School Safety Commission uh, that was established to try to, to make our schools safer in this, in this state. But, but they're not going to be able to, and, and of course we pitched a fit, I raised Kane, and you know nobody can raise Kane like I can <laughs> when That's this sort right. of thing happens. <laughs> I started calling out Republicans before they even had that commission meeting. And I, and I said, okay, if this starts in Arkansas again, I'm going to come up to the state capitol. I'm going to be there again. And the last time I went to the state capitol and raised Kane and started pointing fingers at Republican legislators, the video went viral. There were several million views, and it turned into a nightmare. So if I have to go to the state capitol, it is not going to be a good day. Red yeah, flag no, law shouldn't even be considered in this state. No, anything that, that does away with due process. But you see, Democrats like when due process is eliminated. I mean, look at the Kavanaugh hearings. You know, they, they like this sort of thing because that's, because when it comes to laws and when it comes to proof, and, and they, don't, they don't like it because they want to see people uh, be convicted by their own, uh, you know, because of what they think, you know, because they don't like them, you know, just like they did with Kavanaugh. So, yeah, due process, very important. I can't even believe we have these discussions. It's the most ridiculous thing to even assume for a second that we could, we could get we could get someone in some sort of trouble and without due process. I, right. I, I can't believe we're even having the conversation. All right, Dan, keep your thoughts. We'll come back after the news and pick up uh, more of the Dave Ellswick Show. Dan Waz is with us. Jan Morgan's with us. We'll be back. All right, back. Don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage. Let me let me talk to RD here just a moment because I got great news. He gave me great news today. My transmission is in. Yeah, we're ready for you, Dave. Okay, we'll so next week. I'm, I'm going to probably tell you probably next Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. Okay, that'll I'll, work. I'll have the money in my bank account and ready to go. I got to talk to you before you leave today. I need to know what the cost is going to be. So okay. You can give me really charge good. Him. I would charge him twice. <laughs> <laughs> she, she would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, this is exciting for me because with RD, I can go out and get a three-year parts and labor warranty. Now I could get that at some other places too, but then they said, "Well, and then you get thirty-six thousand miles." I drive thirty-six thousand miles in a year. That means I really only have a one-year warranty. With you, though, it's unlimited mileage, which means that is a three-year warranty at that point, and I don't have to worry about nothing. That's right, and we've already done several things, and we haven't had to worry about the warranty. One thing that's more important is warranty is giving a, a good product. So yeah. we give a good product out there, and, and we install it correctly. So uh, our goal is for you not to ever use that warranty. So we put the work in on the front end so we don't have to work, worry about it on the back end. Well, here's what this does for me. The only reason that I rented a rental car to go on the va- my vacation is because I was worried about my transmission. And a lot of a lot of shutter in it. 
So I didn't take it. I, I, I paid for a rental car. Now you're going to save me 400 bucks every time I go on vacation. That's great. We want people not to be slaves to their to their checkbook or being a slave to their bills. We try to give people the ability to keep their cars that they don't have payments on, they don't have full coverage on, and sell them apart to keep them on the road and give them a long enough warranty that they'll know that they'll get the service out of the product that they buy. So that's recycling. It's profitable recycling that's good for both sides that is not subsidized by the government. It is a capitalist. You did me. <laughs> a, a good thing, because I've always said that I'd go green when I was saved green. And this is the way I'll save green, because getting the transmission for you, I save at least 50% on going out and getting a new one. Well, that's great. We're glad we can do it for you, and we do it for ever, everybody in the state and all around the country. All right, that's probably a better warranty you get from the from the um, dealer if you went there. That's right. right. Oh, definitely. All right, here is the number to call. Talk to R.D. or one of his staff. 982-7451, 982-7451. Just want you to know, I use Sunny's Auto Salvage, have been for about two years now, uh, significantly. So uh, thanks so much for what you do, R.D. Really Thank you, good Dave. Stuff. Appreciate Great your stuff. business. All right, Dan Waz, are you there, or did you fall asleep during that? Well, no, I'm still here. Okay, <laughs> a little nap during the commercial, but I'm good. Okay, did you write down that number? I mean, you can hey, use Dan. him, too. Hey, Dan, uh, auto recycling brought me to New York as president of the International Association. I went to Syracuse, and I saw more Donald Trump signs around Syracuse, New York, than I saw anywhere. I saw a mountain up there. I'm from the Ozarks. I said, I'm going to drive to the top of that mountain. Going up that mountain, I saw a house trailer with a gun shop built on the side of it with plywood, <laughs> and I stopped and had a great conversation with with a constitutional Second Amendment New Yorker that uh, had a gun shop there, and uh, so I, I was welcome in your state, and I had a great time while I was there. You know, that's the big misconception of New York. Everyone thinks New York is New York City, and it's so far from the truth. That's just down south. That's the southern part of New York. And upstate New York, it's a completely different world. We have mountains. We have we actually have trees up here. And a lot of and gun owners. A lot of gun owners. A lot of hunters. A lot of, you know, yeah, it's great up here. I bet a lot of y'all would like, like for New York City to, to be a, a different state. Huh? Well, it's, it's, well, it's the same thing in California. You or, know, Los Angeles and San Francisco, they control the government because that's where the mass number of the, the largest part of the population, Sheer just manners. like New York, New York City. I was shocked, Dan. Uh, I've, I've been to New York once, but I but they, uh, there was a Second Amendment organization that flew me in to speak at the a big rally in Albany on the steps of the state capitol the day that the SAFE Act was being voted on. I was shocked when I got out of the vehicle, out of the taxi, and there were probably 9,000 people at that rally. I, I, I just looked yeah. at the crowd and was like, wow, I had no idea there were 9,000 people in New York that actually supported <laughs> gun rights. I should have brushed my teeth. Yeah, should have <laughs> shaved my legs, well, that, brushed yeah, my teeth. <laughs> it was amazing. Tell you what, Albany, and that, that New York SAFE Act was done in the, was passed in the middle of the night without proper representation on the gun owner side, and, and so that's why there's such a controversy over that. But, you know, here's... here's Here's another. Let me just talk to you just for a second about New York City and how restrictive the gun gun rights are there in New so York City. So that we all know how good we have it here. Oh my gosh! Absolutely, I can't even bring a, a slingshot into New York City. Mm. They, but the good news is, seventeen states 
uh, have filed um, what's called a amicus brief um, rega- regarding this. Uh, it's, it was issued Title Thirty Eight, called Chapter Five, Section Twenty Three of the Rules of New York Rules of the City of New York, which prohibits licensed fire firearm residents from removing their firearms from their home. This seems to me like a very similar to the Heller case. And what's happening now is seventeen states have come to our aid, and they have joined forces to fight this thing because in New York City. You can't take your gun out of your house. This is how bad it is. So I hope that something like this goes to the Supreme Court because I have a feeling we'll have another heller on our hands. And I think you're right. that might change things. Might here's change some, things here's some interesting City. trivia for you, too, Dan. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, there is a book. It's about the uh, drafts of the Second Amendment. And it, the book is it's thicker than, the, than Moby Dick, okay? So in that book... I was shocked to discover when they were making the drafts, when our founders were writing it, they they wrote and rewrote and wrote and rewrote and sweated over every single word. And the one state in America that wanted to require, not just state that uh, citizens have a right to keep and bear arms, but there was one state that wanted to require all citizens have firearms. It was the state of New York. Mm -hmm. I mean, my, how you all have changed over the years well, um, since yeah. that draft. Some of us have. <laughs> Some of us have changed, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, and you were talking earlier, Jan, about the rights versus privilege, and this goes right into that. And if, if we could just help people understand the difference between rights and privileges, we would be so much further ahead. But what's happening is people are getting trained to, to view rights as privileges. And a privilege, if I can if I can just say real quick, a privilege is something that's given. A privilege can also be taken away. I call it man made. It's something mm-hmm. you can give, something you can take away. You can use it uh, on your children, you know, they don't they don't finish their dinner so they can't they lose the privilege of staying up past nine o'clock or whatever. You privileges are used as a form of leverage. A right is inherent. A right is part of being human. It just goes along with being human. It's, some people say it's God-given. So a right cannot be taken away, but people are slowly being conditioned to blur the definitions. That's why they, they don't... And you, you're saying you look at them and they go cross-eyed. You're absolutely right, because they see rights as government-issued privileges. Right. Yes, but... Uh, here's an argument that I hear, and, and when I've been on uh, CNN or Fox and I'm having to debate an anti-gun radical, here's what you'll hear. Well, you know, I believe in the Second Amendment, but, you know, it still can be regulated. Rights can be regulated. I mean, look at the First Amendment. This is the argument they tell me. Look at the First Amendment. <laughs> we, you have been... a right to free speech, but you can't stand up in the middle of a, you know, a crowded room and, and yell fire if there's not a fire. Well, we already have... You never had the right to do that. You never had a right... You never had the right to lie. Exactly. And, and uh, about... About and disasters. you don't have the right to use a gun in the commission of a crime, but you have a right to right. carry a gun. Right. Carrying a gun it's like in you, itself it's is like, not it's against like the law. Slander's never been a part of free speech. It's not. You don't have a right no. to go out and slander people. You have a right to tell the truth. You have a right to tell your opinions. The, the right to keep and bear arms is, is basically the right to not be attacked for doing something that's not wrong. Actually, for those that want to say, and I, I hear it from gun people all the time, and it really just irks me. I hear gun owners say, well, the Second Amendment is my permit to carry. No, it's not. The Second Amendment isn't giving you something. It's an, it is, it's it is an a, acknowledgement. It is an acknowledgement, and it is a directive limiting the power of the government. It's telling the government, you government shall not infringe. It is a right, and that's why our founders use the word right 
in the Second Amendment to make sure that that was clear instead of using the word privilege. And, and it says the right. It, it, that's an indication. And it says it, of it, the people, not uh, the people that Arkansas State Police deem mentally fit you know or marks, you know, demonstrate exemplary marksmanship. It's the right of the people. Which also, Dan, I'm interested in hearing from you on this. How do you feel about uh, felons once they've been released from jail uh, and have not committed, a, you know, they, and they were not violent offenders, just, you know, white-collar crime sort of stuff? Do you believe that felons, once they're released and, and free citizens again, that they should be able to get their gun rights back? It's a, it's a good question. It's a complicated question, but I think that if our, if our system works properly and rehabilitates them, then yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, well, I do, too, well, because my point is people say, whoa, but this person was dangerous. You know, they my point is, if, if someone is so dangerous that they are going to use that they would use a gun in the commission of the crime, then they are going to use a any kind of weapon in the commission of a crime. If they're that dangerous that they shouldn't be out in society, then they shouldn't be released. Right. Why are they still taking and up it, good air? But and the reason and I say this is because I let me just it say it depends on what that uh, it depends on what that crime was, too, because you could be a felon. That. For many different for many different reasons, but here's another point. That, and, and Paul sparked this thought. And Paul's a very intuitive guy. <laughs> and uh, Paul, I don't know if you remember, we had a long talk. Uh, yeah, we did. Conference, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we chatted there. for a while outside the conference there at um, there in Little Rock. But what happens is the anti-gunners. You got to understand, they only view guns for one purpose: for killing people. That's the only thing that they see those as being used for. They don't understand that guns are used to save lives because they don't own guns. They don't let themselves get that familiar. And Jan, you'll know this because you train people. When they come in, at first they're probably scared to death, and then after they learn and they understand, after they get the second the hour of my class. Yeah, second exactly. hour of class, and we transform mindsets. Well, a lot, a lot of people have their their knowledge of guns comes from Hollywood. They, they've they've you've heard right. about, heard about people heard people say that well, this is just going to turn Little Rock into the wild wild west. I'm sorry, the wild wild west was in Hollywood. I don't think it ever existed even in the west. And you right. know, and, and the and the left, moms demand action in every town for gun safety. They tell people that you know we don't want guns in our schools. We don't want our teachers to be armed because they will just turn into you know accidents will happen. Let me tell you, Lake Hamilton Lake Hamilton School in Hot Springs, Arkansas, has allowed their teachers to carry guns for 25 years. They've never had a mass shooting at their school. They've never had a negligent discharge or an accidental discharge at their school. And isn't it amazing? The parents there, the teachers there, the students there feel safe. And they should. If you can trust your, your, your child with a teacher, why wouldn't you trust the teacher with a gun? People trust their children with these people for, what, seven, eight hours a day, and they don't trust the teachers yeah. to c- yeah, because carry you a know gun? Why? You know why? Because the, the anti-gunners, the, the people who are scared of guns, they think that the gun makes pe- literally makes people do bad things. So, in other words, you know, the, the criminal, the violent killer, well, he's, he, you know, he's a victim of society. Oh. If he didn't have the gun, he wouldn't have done the violent act. He's, he's, yeah, he's potty trained wrong. So, 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 I, so, <laughs> I'm, so I'm guilty of the guy murdering somebody because I, because I gave him the – because I allowed him yeah. to have the right – to liberty, basically. I actually had a, yeah. a guy yell at me when I was on I was on CNN debating an anti gun radical, and he yelled at me. He was a victim of the Las Vegas massacre, mm-hmm. and he I've yelled at me, that. "The blood, the blood of all these people is on your hands, Jan Morgan, because you fight for the rights right. of gun rights." Hey, hey, that really is amazing. <laughs> the guy said that. We got to get a break in. Final break for this hour. Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one point one FM. The answer. The answer. Last nine minutes of this hour. 
You got anything you want to say to R.D., to Jan, to Dan, to Paul, to me? A two three zero nine six five. Last call for alcohol. That's what it is. <laughs> hey, Dan, tell us about your yeah. books. Tell us about your books. Why do people need your books? Well, I wrote these books because I got tired of watching the anti-gun crew demonize guns and gun owners, and I, I started to dissect some of their strategies and their tactics and, and uh, started to open, open it up and, ex- and let everybody explore what exactly they're doing and how they're manipulating the, co- the conversation, how they're creating an anti-gun landscape that shouldn't exist. And so I, I started writing the books, and the first book just happened. It really just kind of it just kind of fell into place, and um, everybody has been uh, very, very uh, you know lo- they like it a lot. The book has done really well. Jan Morgan um, in- endorsed it. She wrote the foreword to it. To and that's the best part, fact, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what Jan says. She says just just rip everything else out. And leave just read the foreword. That's the only thing that. But. Um, it's been uh, it basically what I what I want to do is I want to uh, pull the anti-gunners' pants down in public <laughs> and let everybody see what's really going on and and what they're really doing to manipulate the conversation and fool people. And nobody does it like that. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, and and you know it's been you know I got to give you know credit to Dan. She really helped me uh, get this get this thing off the ground so i am forever grateful but um together i think we're getting a message out and a lot of people are starting to see what's really going on uh with respect to the anti-gun uh message and nobody has said the name of the book good gun bad guy yeah one and two well that was that that was the message yeah i mean it, it the truth is guns aren't bad guns are good guns save millions of lives you know one point yeah it's almost two million lives every year in america yeah guns guns are like cars or anything else i gotta jump in here steve is on the line let's get to him and brian steve how are you welcome to the dave ellswick show hey i'm i'm good i just gotta i just i think that the anti-gun people are to put a sign out in their front yard because i don't (laughs) own a gun <laughs> or we could put out signs for them. We could we could manufacture. Actually, there is a sign that says, "You know, thy neighbor next door." Yeah, I've not seen that on guns. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. You know, it would I, work. Yeah, that works. Out. You know, I've got a vinyl right. cutter. Maybe Thank I should you, make Steve. some of we those. We appreciate up. you. All right. Yeah. So 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 Dan, I guess we're back to the subject. The, the fact is, a gun is is sort of like a car. Cars probably save yeah. a lot of lives compared to riding horses and 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 riding in buggies. But the fact is, you can get hurt with a car. But you can get hurt sure. with a gun. You can get hurt with a shovel. You can get hurt with all kinds of machinery. They're simply <laughs> tools. They don't have a moral compass. The fact is that people need to get a moral compass. And and the fact is we can't rely on government to teach moral, a moral compass. We, we've got – we need parents. We need we – need, Well, that's true. And, and we, need, we need churches to get on board with de- helping people develop a moral compass. I think there's a lot of um, um, churches that, that kind of – we need to take raise a hands-off approach. Yeah. We need to raise our Thank kids you. and teach them the difference between rights and privileges. And we need Republicans to stick with the Republican Party platform and understand what the Second Amendment is and, and actually say, I stand for it and I mean it. I stand for the Second Amendment, well, but. Yeah, right. Now, hey, Dan, <laughs> if somebody wants to use you as a speaker at an event, how do they get a hold of you? Oh, they can they can get me through the website, which is goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com. Uh, they can email me at dan at danwas.com. That's D-A-N-W-O-S dot com. 
And um, there's a, yeah, there's always ways to get me. And as a matter of fact, I've been doing a ton of these uh, of speaking events, and you know, Jane and I have done many together. And and uh, but let me get back to one thing that Paul said, which was which was really interesting, is how the how he compared cars to guns. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, you know, drunk driving, drunk drivers cause twice as many deaths as homicides with guns. Um, and so, so yeah, he's absolutely right. A car can do damage, but when you're sick and when you're, when you're on your deathbed, an ambulance can also save your life. And I think that cars will get you to the hospital. Ambulances will save your lives more than, you know, than, than you'll get killed in a car. But the truth is two and a half million lives are saved every year in America because of guns. Uh, and, and we're only not talking about, about getting rid of cars because of the irresponsible right. behavior right. Yeah. of some people. Right. So, right. So, well, that, right. that's so a good point. We, and they would say, you know, if their argument was, was valid, the anti-gunners argument was valid, why, if they really want to save lives, why aren't they pushing to put uh, mandatory breathalyzers in cars? Because it would affect them. It might. Those Democrats. Those damn Democrats. All right, Dan, I'm going to let you go. We'll uh, have you on in the very near future. Jan is becoming uh, basically a weekly member of the Power Panel, so we'll have you back on on a consistent basis, all right? Well, sounds great. Thanks a lot, you guys. It was great. All right, Hi, Dan. We'll talk Dan, to you thanks. later. Great guy. Yeah. Really is a also, good guy. Also, if you forget how to get in touch with Dan, just get in touch with me, and I know I've got him on my cell phone. I can reach mm-hmm. him for you in seconds. He's on speed dial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speed dial. Just so you know. Sounds like a good book. Yeah, Everybody yeah. in New York is not like the city of New York. No. No, yeah. Well, I think like the city is Illinois. Not everybody's like Chicago. But there are a lot of people from California and New York that are defecting and leaving and moving out of those states and yes, moving down they south. Are. Because, I mean, we are those, seeing a big influx. Those, those big cities are like abscesses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only on the gun issue, but because of taxes. All, all, the, the, all, all sort of it. All sorts of issues. Miserable they're, places. They're, they're just uh, they're abscesses Ask on Texas. the country. Yeah. Ask Texas about yep. people coming from California. Ask That's Arizona. Right. Mm-hmm. Arizona hates those people that are coming from California. It's crazy. Well, a Absolutely. lot of times they want to bring their laws and their rules and their regulations that's a, that, with well, them. That's the problem. So they, they, they come with a mindset that they tried to get away from and come into to that area. So we like our freedom. There, we want to, some we of don't them are still be. infected. All right. <laughs> We're out of time. Jan, thank you again for coming it's in. Been a blast. Always a pleasure. R.D., next it, week, Dave. brother. All right. We'll see you Tuesday next week, but I'll see you later on in the week I'll to get that in transmission put in. All right. You go have a, a nice cruise, yeah, Paul. I plan to see you for Election Day. Now, i got to ask you, you're not uh, you're not taking the wine package, right? No. I'm not even taking, I'm not even taking the soft drink package, so it'll be water and orange juice for me, I guess. All right. But, but uh, have fun. Yeah. And I try not be, to drown. Okay? I'll, I'll try not to. We are planning to do some snorkeling, but we'll... Okay. We should have have a good time. All right. Bible Guys are next on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Time for the Bible Guys here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Every Tuesday, 5 o'clock, for an hour, they come on, answer any of your biblical questions, faith questions, religious questions, 823-0965, 823-0965. And I'm going to dive right into it today. Uh, Scott's here. Steve Hess is back. Hello. He got a day off, so he's back here so that he can take part of this. You working this weekend coming up? It, yeah, yeah, kind of. No, it's not. 
Well, are, do you got the weekend off, even with the air show going? Oh, I won't be going to the air show. There's a thing called backsliding. Yeah. <laughs> or or hunting, depending yeah, yeah. on how you want it's to look at it. It's muzzleloading week. Oh, you're yeah, going yeah. hunting. Well, good for you. I'm glad you're getting being able to get away and not oh, yeah. have to come for the air show. This is the yeah. this is the time of the year that pastors hate. This yeah. is one thing I don't do. You I, don't hunt, Dave. I do Well, yeah, I do hunt. Okay, no. and I hunt modern gun. That's the only time I, right. I hunt. But uh, air shows, when I was in the Air Force, I'd get the furthest distance I could from there because yeah, it's, crazy. it's insane. It is. What, Everybody shows up. Everybody shows oh, up. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and, you know, they want to come in and see, of course, uh, right. the, the Thunderbirds are going to be there. And if you've never seen the Thunderbirds, I highly recommend you go see them. However, get there really early. Well, not just the Thunderbirds. Let me put in a plug for this. Is if you want to know what Little Rock Air Force Base does, go out yeah, there and show you. When they do the big the big drop sequence and you get all those parachutes in the air and see all those people and equipment hitting, um, it's kind of impressive what we can do and it's what we're training out there. It's it's pretty cool. All right. So, you know, there's But there I'll be is. looking see it. I'll be in the woods. So You'll be up I won't in be the there tree? watching. I've seen it. The, you're going to be in the ground or you're going to be up in the up I'll, in the air. I'll be up in the air. Okay. You got your own muzzle loader, or did you yeah. borrow somebody? No, I got one. Okay. I just muzzle loading never. In, I'm, I was never interested. It's almost unfair nowadays. Muzzle loaders are so they've moved so far forward. You're almost like using a rifle. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's not cap and ball, Dave. Oh, it isn't anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was when it right. first started. <laughs> it's not man. that way anymore. I mean, you using fired sh- a thing. You had this big cloud no. around. <laughs> it's so it's so clean burning. They use shotgun primers now. It. I should have known that yeah. they didn't want to destroy the atmosphere. You can dial those things in warming. to 150 yards easy nowadays. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. All right. I might have to start doing it. Then. Yeah, you can get them cheap too. You don't have to ram it or anything. Well, no, you still gotta still gotta load it through the muzzle. It's just that you know, I mean, with the rifling and the different slugs and all that stuff out there nowadays, it's, it's surprising we even still have muzzle loaders. I mean, with the way the technology. Well, goes. it's it's supposed to be the you know a little throwback. It's supposed to be a little bit more difficult. Back when it was more when they first started it, you were still not really flint locking, but you were using cap and ball. And yeah. You were really only good for about fifty to sixty yards. Mm-hmm. But now it's with a all skill the new, thing then. If yeah. you were that good with it. Yeah. But nowadays, it's, like I said, do you, you, do you wear like a coonskin hat? No. no. <laughs> Some people dress up the part. Yeah, no, know? I don't. Do they really? Yeah. No. They get into it. Oh, wow. All right. Anyway, uh, Scott's here. Of course, he's pastor over at Agape Church. And uh, Sunday's uh, service is at 10 a.m. And you go to Agape Church, Little Rock, A. C-L-R dot O-R-G, and you can get all that information. Yep. If you've never seen the man preach, you got to go see him preach, because <laughs> he really can set it on fire. Mm-hmm. He really can. Then Steve Hess, of course, uh, works at Agape as well, and they're ready to take any question that you might have. Now, if you can't call, just text me. You can do that by just sending it to Bible Guys plural, at SalemLR.com, and that's how we got our question that we'll start off Did you today. Say texting or email? You said text. Or email. That okay. was an email. Right. Pardon me. I, I apologize for that. Um, here we go. Let me bring it up here. Here it is. This yesterday, is- so I got this Wednesday of last week. Okay. Yesterday, Pastor Scott said something to the effect of, Quote, believe, be baptized, and receive the Spirit evidenced by speaking in tongues, unquote. Was he intending to say that unless you speak in tongues, you did not receive the Spirit and are therefore not saved? 
Doesn't Paul say we're all baptized in the same spirit and also say not everyone will speak tongues or heal or prophesy? How can tongues be, quote, the evidence, unquote, of the spirit and salvation? You can't be saved and not have the spirit, right? Then, question mark. He also says it's a sign for non-believers, not believers, saying he, meaning Paul, uh, and that he'd rather speak a few words rather than thousands in tongues. We see Jesus baptized and the Spirit come on him, certainly more than any human being, and not once do we see him speaking tongues ever. What about the Ethiopian Philip baptizes? He doesn't speak tongues. Are we to assume that almost everyone in the entire history of the faith was never saved because they were not Pentecostal or charismatic like that century. What about people like me who have never done it? Is my faith for naught? Am I not saved? Very confused and concerned, Jenny. And I'll just start off by saying, Jenny, you've got a lot of things you've heard about tongues mixed up with a lot of things that have been said about tongues. And uh, first thing I think that Scott wants to do is to straighten you out about what exactly was being talked about. Yeah, uh, thanks for the, the uh, question, Jenny. I don't remember the um, what prompted us to start talking about the Holy Spirit last week, unless it was a phone call or something that came in. But let me just start off with the most important thing first. Um, the, the way that we are born again is by believing in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he died for our sin, uh, that God raised him from the dead, and then by confessing him as Lord and Savior and receiving him into our life. That That is the, the long and short, but that is the only way by which man may be saved. The other things that we're talking about, the Holy Spirit and so forth, as far as the infilling with all the gifts and so forth, that, that is a subsequent thing to the act of um, being born again. So let me just go ahead and put you at ease right there. If you made Jesus the Lord of your life, then you are saved. Uh, and uh, and so that's the long and short of that particular part of it. Now, the things that you mentioned before, there's a lot of, uh, of mixture of things that uh, were going on there. There's a, a, va- a very big difference between a tongue. For example, when, when well, let me just, before I get too far into that, let me just read you a verse of Scripture. Um, and um, we can then go to, I think Steve has uh, Acts 2, something about Acts 2 to talk about. Um, this is this is in Acts 19. And, um, and uh, in verse 1 it says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, finding certain disciples. Okay, so point one, we have disciples that Paul finds. Verse 2, and he says to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Okay, so this is obviously telling us that they were believers. In fact, they were disciples. But his question was not have you received Jesus. His question was have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a subsequent act to believing and salvation. So salvation Faith is first, and of course, when you do that, the Bible says that we receive. Um, they receive. It says that we receive um, the. Um, I'm drawing a blank now on the exact phraseology here. Uh, we receive the Holy Spirit leads us into salvation, but there is a subsequent act of an infilling of the Holy Ghost, and that's why Paul is asking this question: Your disciples, you believe, but have you received the Holy Ghost again? Not have you received Jesus? I mean, Jesus. Not have you received X, Y, and Z, but have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said we weren't even aware. Next verse it goes on to say we were not even aware there was such a thing as a Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, 
what baptism were you baptized in? They mentioned John's baptism, which was the water baptism. Then he said, Paul baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying people should be uh, believe in him uh, that should come after him, that is Jesus, which they did. And he says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues, and they prophesied. So point one is you're born again through faith in Jesus, end of story. But there is a subsequent thing of walking with God, and that has to do with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we see repeatedly throughout the Scriptures when people are filled with the Spirit, there is a speaking in tongues that happens. There's a big difference, however, between the gift of tongues that is meant to be used for public speaking as opposed to a private language you use towards God. As a matter of fact, First Corinthians uh, chapter 14, I believe it is, actually says when, that when you pray or when you speak in an unknown tongue, you don't speak to men but to God. Mm-hmm. And that's different than a gift of tongues. I do not have the gift of tongues, but I pray in the Spirit all the time, in tongues all the time. But I don't have the gift. The gift of tongues is where I stand up in front of people and give a, a word in tongues, and then it's interpreted. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, I would rather say a few words in English than give a, a tongue without an interpretation. He wasn't saying don't do it. He was just saying if there's no interpretation, it's better not to do it. But he was not referring to the speaking in tongues that goes towards God in a prayer form. These are two totally separate things, and all the verses you gave were a an overlapping and mishmash of the two, and that was what makes it sound very contradictory. Of course, the beginning of this whole thing related to the Holy Spirit happens in Acts chapter 2. Right, and one of the things that is the biggest mistake in all Christian study circles and denominations is context. And because they read something happening in one place, they assume that that's what it means forever and for now in all eternity or what they do is they turn the page turn a chapter turn a book and then they connect it with about four or five other scriptures and then all of a sudden they have a theological position and they've taken a lot of those scriptures out of context and a lot of the ones that people refer to comes from acts 238 some of my good pentecostal brethren out there are are actually got up and start running right now just when i said acts 238 (laughs) (laughs) because they said uh to peter um what must we do um and then Peter to be saved. And Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that was at that moment, at that time, when everything, when the Holy Ghost was being poured out in a big way, right then and there on the Temple Mount. Uh, and it's even quite possible that that baptism he was referring to could have been uh, a, a water baptism as well as the baptism of the Holy Ghost because of what we believe where that was taking place. And we believe that was taking place on the southern end of the temple. Uh, and there, we, through archaeology, found out there was 48 baptismals or mikvahs at the southern end of the temple. Um, but there was also a period of time where the Holy Ghost was so strong on Paul that he could touch a handkerchief and they would give it to people and they would pray and then they'd be healed. And then people would walk through the shadow of Peter and they would be healed. And just because you see this event happening like that right then and there, that is that the main, the big outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And the other things are exactly what Pastor Scott was talking about, which is there are these moments uh, where people are having hands laid on them and then they are filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak in tongues. But not every time where the Holy Ghost comes upon them do they speak in tongues. So there's this phrase that says, you know, baptism with the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues. That doesn't always immediately follow in every single example that we have. Uh, but the biggest thing to take away from all of this is to just reiterate what Pastor Scott was saying is there is 
the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but then there is the gift of tongues. Two totally different things. Okay. So how do we accept then teachings of certain denominations who believe that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved? Right. Well, when when I mean that's been one of the biggest big arguments. Yeah, you know, it has, there. it has, and it is unfortunately an error like so many errors in so many different denominations. We have uh, forty thousand different Christian denominations in the world. Yeah. 40,000. And the reason why is because we just can't agree on anything. Uh, you know, I was raised as a Southern Baptist and we had close communion, which means, Dave, you may love Jesus, you may be going to heaven, but you're not having communion in my church. <laughs> Unless you're a member of the church, I, so, you I mean, I mean, partake. That's and, correct. and there's no such thing as denominations in the scripture. Yet we create these boundaries and barriers to fellowship and we come up with these ideas. I mean, I've got some stuff I could tell you that some people denominations believe some very well reputable denominations that's very very anti uh, it's against scripture so this is um this is one of the extremes that we have uh in the um the charismatic Pentecostal of an absolute matter of salvation it would be connected in every single book of the new testament and what i mean by that is the example that Pastor Scott was quoting about, uh, or maybe it was you, said something about Philip. So when Philip, um, that was our questioner. Right. Okay, then they, Jenny, yeah. how um, when that guy was baptized, when Eunuch was baptized, and he came up out of the water, and then it says Philip was basically raptured away. If it was absolutely a requirement for salvation, the Holy Ghost would have not allowed him to leave, and it would have been recorded for us there that Philip would have said, now you must be baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, but he didn't. And if that was the case, that would have not been left off. That would have been on probably every other page and for sure in every book very clear, but it wasn't. And when when and I also going to reach out to, to Jenny. Jenny, if you're listening, you want to ask a few more questions, and have a little more dialogue. You can give us a call. Um, but uh, one thing I want to make sure that um, is not done here, and that is that, uh, like when you mentioned the the fact that well, Paul said he would rather speak a whole bunch of words uh, or not speak any words in tongues and just in in English. Again, that was the the gift of tongues where he would stand up and give a public declaration. Because later on, as you know, he says, "I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you." But he's referring to the fact that he is able to uh, communicate with God in a in a specific prayer language. And what a lot of people will do is they'll they'll run to uh, hide in this. Set, this thing of saying, well, I don't have to have the Holy Ghost to be saved, so there's no point. And let me just say this. If, if, it, if there's not a point, then Jesus would not have given the Holy Spirit. And he wouldn't have told them to wait he would to not, receive Absolutely. It. He would not have said, wait for the Holy Ghost. He would have not said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. One of those signs is they will uh, speak with other tongues. These these are things that we will do as believers. Uh, but let me just say this: there are lots of extremes in charismatic movement. But also, if you never see it happen in your church, that's just as much of an extreme. Mm-hmm. Now you might see it as not, but it is. If there's none of this ever happening, that's an extreme. Now you can point at others and say, "Wow, look at that craziness over there." And that's an extreme. What we don't typically think of is the lack of it is also an extreme. It's the other ditch on the other side of the road. And probably the worst part is there are people that are probably defying the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. They're being directed to speak out, but they don't because they're, they're worried that 
how they'll be re- received mm-hmm. by their by their brothers and sisters. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. they've all they've heard is negative preaching. I right, think. Yeah. right. But if the Holy Spirit was not needed, there would have been no reason for Jesus to to send him. I mean, the whole, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit from heaven for the purpose of empowering His church. But the other thing that comes up from this, and we can talk about when we come back. I got to get a break in. Is the belief in dispensationalism that all of that stopped at some point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. cessationist. That's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll come back and talk about because that's really important to to take up. In what you believe. Most denominations really, really are cessationists. They have believed that, yeah. So we'll, right. we'll get yeah, that. John MacArthur is probably one of the biggest ones out there that promotes That's that. That's true. And I love John MacArthur. Mm-hmm. He's a great expositor. Mm-hmm. But he just got that wrong. Yep. I'm just saying he's got that wrong. All right, back with you for more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about our good folks over at uh, Applied Research. I went on last night. I did not find the testosterone study. I'm going to get a hold of Randy and uh, Donna Wright and find out if that just closed out here recently because I want to get in the study if possible because uh, I am one of those people that's between uh, 45 and, and 80 years old, kind of, and uh, I got low testosterone uh, at risk for a cardiovascular disease or event. And uh, you may be eligible to participate. I'd like to do that. Plus, Dr. Deanna's doing it uh, and studying the effects of an investigative testosterone replacement drug. If you'd like to do that, I'll try to find out if it's still open for us. But if not, if you want to get into the acne one, the diabetic one, or any of the others they have, <coughs> uh, what you need to do is go to arcarkansas.com, arcarkansas.com, or call them 501 954 7822. All right, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit, or the, the the old way was the Holy Ghost. Okay, we'll talk about it. In some denominations, they don't even want to talk about it. That's true. You know, they don't. They, they, they think it's too controversial. Others think that it doesn't exist mm-hmm. in the same way it did in the, the first century, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even before the end of the first century, I believe. But uh, others believe that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. There's so many different things that are out there. That's true. Uh, you know, Scott, how do people know what to believe? And I know what it, it's about reading Scripture, sure. but it's about taking Scripture that you read and being able to put it all together. Somebody once said this, you have to have help to misunderstand the Bible. yeah, And so if people would just read the Word for themselves and allow the Holy Spirit to lead them, uh, they would they would get the essence and, and the basics down very easily. It's when man comes in with man-made doctrines and dogma and says, well, I know it says that, but it doesn't really mean that anymore. And then we buy into this whole idea that, well, like I was raised saying, okay, it does say in Ephesians chapter 4, there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But, you know, uh, when the last apostle died, there weren't any more of them. Well, that's unfortunate for them because there's lots of them mentioned in the Bible that didn't. I mean, it, it, they say now only people that – the only ones that exist are the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. But the apostles and prophets are all gone and dead and they don't come around anymore. And if you say, show me a verse on that, they can't. But they say, but we just know that because of – I mean, just right. pontificate means nothing. All right. Let me jump in. Yeah. All right. If you've just joined us or – if you join, joined up and you've taken the thing that we've said that 
if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. That's We haven't said that. Mm-hmm. All right. I've got a friend of mine that, from my church who just sent me a, a text that says, uh, I just got in the truck and I'm confused. So if I don't speak in tongues, I don't have the Holy Spirit. And if I don't have the Holy Spirit, I'm not truly saved? Question well, mark. And I have a, another one from Jenny, and I'll bring that to okay. you once you get done well, with well, that. Well, well, yeah, well, just go ahead and speaking to uh, to Dave's friend. Uh, yeah, the first part yeah, of the hour. Hewlin. Hewlin. We, we established that, no, the only way you, we're saved by faith in Jesus, end of story. Uh, but we read verses of Scripture that showed that even after the salvation experience, there's a subsequent thing uh, that is the infilling of the Holy Spirit that relates to then the gifts of the Spirit. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit draws us to the Lord, and we have the down payment, we have the deposit, we have we have that uh, that that beginning. So we do have the Holy Spirit when we get saved, but there's a subsequent filling. That's what we saw there in Acts chapter 19. Paul said, "Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?" which tells us it's a subsequent thing to believe. So, yes, if you're born again, you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do have the the, the, the Holy Spirit. But there is a, an, a filling, an overflowing that comes along as a subsequent act, which we've seen several verses of Scripture related to that. So hopefully that answers um if it's Hewlin, like, we got a whole lot of other things we need to talk about first. <laughs> no, you, I guess you he know Hewlin. Yeah, he does. He does. I like him. He's funny. He's a great man. Yeah, he is. All right, so – Jenny says, "Does this mean that if a person does not do this and they do that they do not have the Holy Spirit?" Question mark. Is this a special blessing among believers? A special holiness not every believer gets. I've never spoken in tongues. Does this mean I don't have the Spirit, or can you have the Spirit and not speak in tongues? Where is quote baptism of the Holy Spirit unquote mentioned and described in the Bible? My boyfriend's family has said that without tongues, I do not have the Holy Spirit, so I'm not saved. I appreciate your answer, but it seems to say you are saved without the Spirit, which they say is impossible. You know, is there a place in Scripture I can read and pray over to understand this better? And she says, I would have called, but I'm at work. Okay. Thanks, Jenny. I need to find a – there's – the way I always try and explain this is – um okay there's there are people who have traversed the world to spread the gospel who are not pentecostal in nature and they were led by the spirit of god to go do so there were for for millennia uh people have gone over all the world and spread the gospel and only a small fraction of them are um pentecostal charismatic kind of people uh, those are people who are led by the Spirit of God, and there is a uh, leading of the Spirit of God, but then there is this baptism that is mentioned, and this baptism produces certain gifts, and that's what the latter part of 1 Corinthians 12 and really lays the foundation for 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, and you have to understand, I call those three chapters, I call the Corinths were the charismatics of the day because they were he was really trying, Paul was really trying to deal with those who were really earnestly seeking the gifts. And that lays the whole context for this really controversial verse in, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, where it says that um, if lo- you know, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And there were some in the church world who think that that's the keynote verse for why we don't have tongues today. Uh, 
and they they cite other things and say that this was a dispensational period of time or we don't see all of these things happening we don't see people being raised from the dead we don't see well we do but it's not in it's not in your group right you just don't see it in your group and we read we sit down and read the book of acts in an hour and a half you can read um, all the, the entire book in an hour and a half. Well, the, the book of Acts covers uh, 38 years, and it's only 19 days of that 38 years. And so we think that everywhere they went, um, that something was happened miraculous every five minutes, and it was not the case. There were some places where Paul was just there or Peter was just there for a few years, and it only covers three verses. Mm-hmm. And so we, the, these things are happening today. There are gifts. There are healings. There are people who are being raised from the dead, blinds being healed, ears being opened. It's happening. Uh, but because it's not happening on CNN, we don't believe it. Or because it's not happening on our church, in our church, we don't believe it. So all these gifts and all these things are, are out there. But if what happened when Jesus went to a place they didn't believe it? It didn't happen. So it's not going to happen if you don't believe it. But to go back to, you know, to say more about this question as far as about being saved, I just got to go back to what I said a little bit ago, which is, if it was an absolute matter of salvation, it would have been on every single page like belief is, like faith is. And that's what's important is the faith. And that is covered on every page. Yeah. And, uh, Jenny, just to get uh, directly at what you're saying, you, you, can, you can only be born again as a spirit draws you. So, yes, you have the, the, the spirit but there is, as I read earlier, if you heard and I heard if you heard what I read in Acts nineteen, Paul said, he said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So you believe by the leading of the Spirit to accept Jesus. So you do have the Spirit, but there is a subsequent act that God does all throughout the Word, and this subsequent act endows a believer believer with certain gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, it's just like the Bible says this in, in Galatians 5. It says, if we're born of the Spirit, it's referring to the, referring to the fruit of the Spirit. He says, if we're born of the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit. And then it talks about love, joy, peace, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, self-control, and so forth. You so show the fruit of the Spirit. Correct. But the Scripture says, if you're born of the Spirit, then we should walk in it. So mm-hmm. you can be born of the Spirit and never walk in the Spirit. You can have the Holy Spirit, but never yet experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in what the Bible actually talks about as far as being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence. So, um, it um, yes. All right, let's go to Donna. Okay. Donna, how are you? Welcome to the Bible, guys. And what's your question? Hey, guys, I'm the one that started this whole conversation last week. Okay, Donna, I forgot about that. Thank (laughs) you so much. Yeah, what you ask people can have people thinking they're not saved. Um, I just wanted to kind of add this and see what you guys think, too. When I got saved, um, I wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom told me, you know, just get down on your uh, your knees and pray and just, just, just say nothing but hallelujah. I just said hallelujah over and over and over after asking God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. And then that hallelujah, just after not very long, turned into tongues. Mm. So if people want it, you're saved. You just get on your knees, ask God to fill you. It's just as easy as that way. If you're not sure how to get it, just say hallelujah over and over and over, and it just turns into tongues. It's that well, simple. All right. That's we appreciate you. Thanks, all right. Thanks a lot, Don. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, it, it happens differently for uh, for different people. I've heard stories, a lot of stories like Donna. I've had other people just reading a book about the Holy Spirit and be filled having never heard anybody ever speak in tongues and they start speaking uh, in an unknown, unknown language. Uh, Jesus, you know, here we have Paul. Paul laid hands on them and they received
received the Holy Spirit, uh, the people who received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. No one laid hands on them. It just came out of heaven, a mush, rushing mighty, mighty, wind. mighty wind. So it is, it's, it's varied. And just like Jesus when he prayed for people, sometimes he laid hands on people. Sometimes he spat on people. Sometimes he made clay and put it on people. It wasn't always the same way of healing every single time, and neither is going to be the same way of, it, of people receiving right. the fullness of the Spirit every single time. So it, it varies, and it's, and it's different each time. But it definitely, if you did not need it, then Jesus wasted a lot of time mm-hmm. and a lot of effort. No, the church needs the gift yeah. of the Holy Spirit. And let me Let me say it this way. Would you go to a church that said, we don't we don't uh, believe in uh, in Jesus being among us here. We don't want Jesus here to be be around us. Of course you wouldn't. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is God and as the Father is God. Would anybody go to a church and say, "Well, we believe in the Father, but we don't want the Father around here. We don't we don't we don't think he has anything to do in our lives and yeah, he might want to be involved, but we're happy not to have him involved." You probably wouldn't go to a church like that. But guess what? The Father ruled and reigned, if I can say it this way, ruled and reigned from eternity past until the time Jesus got here. Then Jesus ruled and reigned on the earth as God incarnate. And then when he left, he sent God the Holy Spirit, and this is his day. That's right. And so if you say, you know what, I'm good not to have the Holy Ghost. I'm glad we don't see this stuff happening in my church. It's the same way as saying, I'm good not to have Jesus working in my life. I'm good not to see Jesus doing stuff in my church. Or I'm good not to have God the Father in my life. Listen, you have to understand the Holy Ghost is just as much God as the Father and as the Son. And until you see him that way, you'll never appreciate him in that way, and you'll never accept the gift that he is to you. I'll throw something out. You can say what you think after the break, all right? Right. Maybe it's why a lot of churches don't see a lot of conversions is because we don't welcome God's Spirit Mm. into our churches. There's something about letting the Shekinah glory of God shine down on us. Absolutely. And, you know, well, I'll just explain. I just just got something. (laughs) Dave's going to give goosebumps. You know, sometimes God inspires you to say something. That's right. I wasn't even thinking about that. It just came out. All right. Anyway, did you know there's 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits? And 2,728 rules in the Social Security handbook. And to make matters worse, your own government tells the Social Security Administration that they're forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. So you're totally on your own. It's probably the reason that over $10 billion a year go unclaimed on Social Security. So get your a way to ring out you know, every nickel out of your Social Security benefits. You could do that by having an up-to-date 2018 guide to Social Security. It's from David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. To get your free 2018 guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. Or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, so here's what I want to say about new life. All right, Rick Bazette. By far, man, I've, I've met several times, sat down and talked with him, is a man that's following God's heart. Mm. Uh, started off with one church, got 17 campuses now. They shared some st- uh, statistics with us on, on Sunday, and I'm just telling you, this is how I tell, you know by the fruits of the Spirit, okay? This is why I say that 
there's something special going on at New Life. All right, I'm not trying to say that we're the only church you should attend or anything like that. I'm just saying, in the last five years, we've given $10 million to missions. Beautiful. Wow. Beautiful. That only happens Mm -hmm. supernaturally. Sure. Because we don't have any rich people that I know of going to church. Mm -hmm. It's everyday folks just being really, uh, you know, concerned about God's vision and and trying to, to help make it happen. Yeah. I don't know how many baptisms we did last year, but I'm 17 campuses wide. Yeah. Uh, but I know every time we have baptisms, I'm seeing 15, 20, 25 people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to say it this way, and people go, well, that's not very religious. Yeah, we dunk them, all right? So yeah. that's the bottom line, you know? But there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on yeah, at yeah. that church. Mm-hmm. The spirit is moving yeah. in that church. Mm-hmm. And if nothing's happening at your church, there's a reason. Jesus yeah. is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he's in your midst, things are going to be happening. That's right. If he doesn't change, then revelation here, people, he doesn't change. That's right. So what he did before, he still does. But if you don't see anything happening in your church service that Jesus did when he was here on the earth, then there's something fundamentally flawed with that. And if you don't change when you have an encounter with him then you need to question your encounter that's exactly right that's very true by the way we start our services off every sunday praying for other churches Mm -hmm. and asking the lord to use those churches in the way that he can use them because we understand you don't win a, a, a city and you for sure can't win a state for jesus unless everybody is pulling in the same direction. Right. Uh, the state's too big for one church. That's, That's right. right. You need your brothers and sisters. Who in the would Lord. want that headache? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being the yeah. only church. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's good. I like that. It's the truth. It is. That's the truth. All right. So a lot of questions about this today. Yeah. Because uh, and I, I think if people just get they hear all the different messages. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the messages, folks. It's what's in the scripture. Yeah. You know, if we could just bring it back down to. Well, we have so many different viewpoints because we have so many different approaches. And for Steve and I, there really is only one correct approach to this. You have to approach the word in the way it was delivered to That's us. Right. You know, we've heard, or, you know, one of the things we're dealing with right here is that verses are being taken out of context yep. and used wrongly. And so I asked a congregation this a few weeks ago. I said, do you know when you take a verse out of Scripture out of context how it distorts the truth of everything? I said, what would happen if you actually took the life of Jesus out of context? You no longer allowed him to be who he was. Mm-hmm. You no longer allowed him to celebrate the holidays he celebrated. You no longer allowed him to, to, to be the rabbi he was. You take him out of context. And so everything he does now no longer relates to the original purpose, the original intent. And the Holy Spirit was given for an original intent, an original purpose. It was sent on the Jewish feast of Shavuot, of Pentecost. It had a purpose. That's right. It was to do something in your heart. It was to change you. It was to make you better. It was to make you stronger. It was to make you thrive in, in this world. And there are those who try to tell us, well, the early church needed it, but because we have the King James Bible now, we don't need it anymore. Can you show me chapter and verse? You can't. The verse Steve just read to you a few moments ago. It says, when that which is perfect is come, that which is done in part is done, will be done away. They tell us that that which is perfect is the King James Bible. But then it says, that which is done in part will be done away. That means there's no more prophecy, there's no more tongues. If you keep on reading, it says, and there's no more knowledge. If that 
if the King James Bible was that which was perfect, there would nobody would know anything anymore. It's not. It's referring to Jesus. Jesus is that which is perfect. And the people, because they've separated the Old Testament, yep. that's old God. Yep. New Testament's new God. Yeah. And, well, they, and they talk about the Holy Spirit. They forget the Holy Spirit. That's was, right. I was just very, fixing to say. Genesis, Genesis 1. The Moving Ruach across. Kodesh. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's the twofold thing. The other one of many reasons what makes the American Institute and what we do and the way Scott and I believe and the way we teach is we are not a bunch of intellectuals, even though it may seem that we we are Holy Ghost <laughs> baptized full of the Holy. No, no, no. I, that probably sounded really bad since you're laughing. What I meant by that was when people when you get people who just read and study all the time that you don't think they have any spirit behind them. Mm-hmm. But we are baptized full of the Holy Ghost people, and we believe and desire not just for the knowledge of uh, understanding the scriptures to come back, but we want that full power That's to be right. involved. Because what changed me in September of 1996 is when the Spirit of God got a hold of me and said, you need to be a different man. It wasn't a bunch of head knowledge. That knowledge that's come to help me understand His Word is good and edifies me and edifies my spirit, but it's the Spirit of God is what convicts and changes a man, and that's what we need to long for and to see and have be poured out again. And I we need tell to you pour what, it out in a big way in this nation. The kind of glory of God has been in His room. That's right. You can tell. This hour. He Amen. really has. Amen. We're out of time. Uh, let me turn it over to you, Scott, real quickly. If people want to take classes at the sure. school, how do they go about doing it? They can go to um, AmericanInstitute.org, and they can log on. They can audit a class, and that's basically – it means you can basically you can get 12 hours of, of lectures on all the topics we have available along with lecture notes for $50. Uh, very inexpensive. If you'd like to take, actually take the course for a credit, it's a $200 uh, credit course. Um, and um, you do the same thing. You log on and you register as a full-time student. You can get um, an associate's or a BA with us right now. And uh, we're believing to continue to expand the school. The school has been going now for about um, 16 weeks. And we have uh, about 50 students that are with us right now. Cool. So we're moving forward and we're seeing God do some good things. Amen. All right. Gentlemen, you have a great rest of your week. Thank and you, sir. A, a fantastic Sunday. I will see everybody tomorrow at 2, and a special uh, Monday uh, show when Bill O'Reilly is going to join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.